Roadshow episode number 210. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is with me at the Casa de Cold Coffee in a beautiful Las Vegas. Yes, what better place to be than right here? As we always do, we sit down on Thursday, having a little day game today, a little Thursday afternoon yeah. operation, and it is gorgeous, man. As I, as I take a look out of the palatial Casa de Cold <laughs> Coffee, out of the the uh, the gorgeous resort style swimming yes. pool here in the backyard. Yes. The window is open. It's seventy degrees. I'm telling you, April and October, the two best months of the year in Las Vegas. If you ever get a chance to plan a trip, plan it in either April or October. Man, the weather is gorgeous and it is beautiful right now. Sun is out. Nice yeah. light, cool breeze. Yes. Seventy degrees coming through the open window here. I love it. That, that this is like this is where I normally work. So I literally stare out and I'll see the 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 pool just sort of like the water just circling around and it's it's like my daily me- meditation moment. I just stare out there. But it's a little mesmerizing. This, the, I know, right? But this is like the perfect time of the year because I can leave the windows open. I don't have to have the AC on. I got the ceiling fan on, but with a nice breeze coming in, it's been super sunny. We had a little weird gray patch like a couple days ago or yeah. a few days ago it was like really really untimely and windly but uh windy um but uh yeah i love it right now and i'm glad you didn't describe too much of the backyard you'd see my swing with the broken canopy <laughs> well, on the I top mean, you know listen <laughs> i mean palatial can I can mean, mean a listen. lot of things <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean everybody's got their little blemishes here and there you know what i'm saying it's still. just stare at the water just stare at the water <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, man. It's a, it is a good week. It's a, it's a, a relatively slow week in terms of live events. I mean, yeah. certainly been no shortage of news. There never is in the MMA world. But crazy. I actually took vacation this week, man. I uh, yeah, didn't, didn't go anywhere. Yeah, a little staycation. Had to get the taxes done. Had to get uh, some stuff done around the house. But what? yeah, no. And that takes time, man. Oh. Like we, you know, it's it's funny when you're younger. I remember the first time that easy. Easy Tax or Easy Forty? I, sure, yeah. I can't oh, yeah. remember 10 what it's easy. Ten Forty easy. easy. Yeah, I haven't been able to use that one in a while. But I remember, like, as a kid, like, oh, it was, it was, it was kind of fun. Like, you did the taxes, you knew you'd be getting something oh. back. And now, as an adult, it's like Not that anymore. shit takes like a day. Like, Not I needed anymore. a full two nights to get my stuff sorted. And uh, I'm glad you did take a little day out because that's the kind of thing that you you don't want to have to focus on other stuff. No. Cover the MMA beat and then try to go back and, and oh. get financials and stuff. But no, just at least you've had great weather and you're kicking it at the house. It's you know? nice, man. It's been you know a little break every now. And then. I don't need a yeah. full off season, but one break, one week break from live events, you know. And it's funny that we, you got to schedule it on off off event weeks. That's which, that's, that's totally <laughs> basically. I just once the UFC's quarterly schedule is out and once Bellator's schedule is out. Yeah. I just looked at that week on the calendar and I was like. Eh. Taking that week I guess off. I'll do that. And it's funny because uh, Matt Erickson's off yeah, as well. Yeah. He, like, he took the last part of this. And I started thinking about that. I was like, wow. Because remember at one point we talked about both of us taking this off. Yeah, yeah. And then I saw Matt off. I was like, man, there's no way we could have had everybody it have been everybody off. We did, should, by the way, welcome <laughs> Dave Doyle to the staff at yes. MMA Junkie. So he's just getting started. I haven't even had a chance to work Double his shift D. with him yet. Wow, is that I'm not what you're sure. gonna go with? I don't know. I'd have to like <laughs> talk with him. I don't know what people say. Double D. Double D. Big D. Ooh, I don't know if you want to go with See, that I'd one either. I'd rather go double D, big D. <laughs> Can't call him little D. <laughs> is that if he gets mad at you? Is that big D in your face? Just yeah, you know, it's like, like oh man, big D was just coming right down my throat. <laughs> he wouldn't stop coming at me. I was begging him to stop. Uh, thank you, Bobby Green. Sir Arthur Conan, 
Doyle? Sir Arthur wow. Dave Doyle? I don't know. All right, we need suggestions there. Yeah, for internal. have to work on that. We'll but it, I'm glad that he's. I'm glad that he is. Uh, that he is part of the team. Yeah, well, so if so. you haven't followed Dave's work, I mean, Dave's been in the MMA game for a long time. If for some reason you haven't followed his work, uh, he was previously at MMA Fighting, but he's done a couple other gigs along the way. Uh, so we're happy to have him on board full time. So welcome him to the MMA Junkie crew. Uh, yeah, I haven't had a chance to work a shift with him yet because as soon as he came on, I took vacation. So I'm, I'm anxious to get back to work, I guess, uh, starting on Sunday and work work with the new guy. Uh, so anyway, listen, I said it, it was a slow in terms of live events. It, it definitely hasn't been slow in terms of news. In fact, hell, we've, yeah. been, we've had fantastic traffic this week based largely around the Conor McGregor. Habib that retired guy, made man, off. he's doing great. That retired guy still getting the <laughs> headlines. I will say this, and I, and I, and I, and I, I you know, Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I, I am actually happy that I'm off this week, and I have not had to write a single yeah. word about that nonsense because yeah. you have to write not, it. Yeah, you have you to can't write ignore it. it. I mean, yeah. by far, it's it's doing it's driving all the traffic this week for us. But it is just utterly ridiculous, man. I I you know I see a lot of people taking the stand this week, like, oh my god, this has gone too far. Now we're talking about wives and no. It went too far when we threw a dolly through a bus window yeah. and people got injured. Like it's not that all of a sudden now we've gone too right. far. We we already oh, no. went too we far. We finally hit that spot. Yeah, no, no, no. That's yeah. what that's the part that I don't get. Where everybody's like, this has to stop now. We've gone too far. It's already gone too damn far. But I will be honest, man. It's it's embarrassing to me, man. This this whole thing. I I get it, man. Rivalries drive interest in the sport. Rivalries and intensity. It drives fan interest, and as I just said, it's driving clicks on our website. But to me, man, just the the the, the wife stuff, and uh, I mean, it's embarrassing, man. It's embarrassing. It is. It's a, it's definitely a black eye for the sport. I mean, I, as much as we want this to be a legitimate sport, you know, with good-hearted people that just happen to like to fight for a living, you know, that things like this come out, and then and then it's easy for the people that were kind of questionable about whether the sport was just purely a bunch of heathens, you know, and then they see stuff like this and then it's hard to kind of discount it, you know. But what's interesting, you know, for me is that these are two of the big money drives, mm -hmm. uh, money bringers for the UFC. And in the past, people have said a lot less stuff and got some serious slaps, you know, on the wrist right. or, or, or some serious punishment. And uh, that's the only way that the UFC really needs to get ahead of this is they need to punish these guys. Instead of just saying enough's enough, we're going to meet with them. Yeah, How about on. you actually make a stand and say something? You already got a guy that, you know, and Khabib says he doesn't want to fight for a while anyways. You got a guy that's retired. What What's wrong with actually now saying it's not going to hurt you or anything? But they need to come out and say something. And if not, I mean, it just glaringly shows their favoritism that they have towards certain fighters that they don't have towards others. But see, that's what I wonder is what exactly – like I like the fact that the UFC and Dana White – I mean, obviously a lawyer wrote that statement or whatever, but they yeah. came out with a statement, you know, hey, we'll talk to the camps and all this. And I do wonder – I mean, what can they do? Because as you said, find their purse. Yeah, see, that's what I want. I mean, but then I think people are going, "Oh, now they're just being greedy. They're they're taking money from the fighters." I mean, they could not give them a fight. They that, could they could let them not fight. That's kind of what I'm thinking. That's say, what I, I mean, was thinking. You know, is, if is, you're going to let them fight, but I mean, like, look at what the NFL does. I mean, like, it's written. People say, "Oh, well, you know." Uh, you know, they're not unionized. There's not set roles laid down, but there is a code of conduct that they have agreed upon as being athletes, whether they're independent contracts or whether people consider them actually employees. Right. Part of the athletic code of conduct that they have agreed to says that they can't do this sort of stuff. So if the UFC just turns a blind eye here, then they're setting a bad precedent that I would think any, oh. any person else that does something apologize, which these guys haven't even apologized, uh, 
and then they the UFC shouldn't be able to, to do something against them. I mean, they they have to set the right president here and at least find them or do something. See, I almost wonder if you say the stuff that says you can't one go out there and be calling a guy a rapist on the thing, and you can't go out there and criticize and. Uh, make fun of this guy's religion. Yeah. I mean, like, outside of the fact of, hey, you're bringing in a family member, you're talking about family, you're talking about wives, whatever. People talk shit about the boyfriends and girlfriends and the wives and the husbands all the time. But when you start bringing the religious, like if there was a religious garb right. that was chosen, then, all right, you're being ignorant and not being aware of what you're actually commenting and I, on. Well, and I agree. And, and I think, because I've seen some people say, well, he, he wasn't making a comment about religion. and He, he was making a comment about the headdress that, right. that, that she was wearing in the in the wedding right. picture, which is part of religious belief right. and practice. So, and then he yes, went back I to understand. say a goat was under the screen. Oh, under then God. he's like, okay, now he's commenting. Now he's just making a cheap shot on, yeah. on like the wife, yeah. like that's an appearance thing or that's just being a dick, whatever. But when it's about the actual thing, that's like going to um, who's the the Sikh uh, fighter that we have now? Um, Arjan Bula. Yeah, and just be like, oh man, what a stupid fucking towel he's wearing on his head. Yeah, like that's exactly. Uh, it's it's putting the ignorant claim towards uh, a garb that's a, a part of his religion. Correct. So, just because yeah, he called it a towel or whatever, it's not like he was just like making a comment about the wife. He was making a carb a comment about overall right. about a religious. And I listen. Thing. I I I do think you know a lot of people got up in arms when the Nevada State Athletic Commission said, "Hey, we want to clean this up. This yeah. is not appropriate." And I understand why everybody got up in arms about it, but I do applaud them for at least saying something. To me, right. this is it is too far. And again. We said it's too far along. It, you can't just get mad now. Right. You have to have been mad all along. At how and I think we have been. We've said, listen, right. this was not right. This was not right. And this is not right. And I just don't want this to become the norm in the sport. And I'll tell you one thing. It's not just about. It's not just about appearances. It, it does have something to do with appearances and a black eye for the sport and all yeah. those things. But the other thing too is, here's what I worry about: is I do worry about safety, and, and I worry about this escalating to a level, and not just necessarily Habib or Connor, but you think about fans, training partners. I mean, look, I mean, one of the reasons it got so wild in that brawl was because the number of people that got involved had it literally just been Habib and Connor. I mean, we just saw that. We, we, they were in a cage, but it's all the periphery around them. And then you even start talking about fans. I mean, remember when things popped off at 229? Now I think people overstated a little bit much of, of how much clash there was between like Irish fans and Dagestani fans, whatever. But yeah, now you're talking about collections of thousands of people in a building, and then security becomes yeah. – that's why I think this is so important. You may say, well, why, why take a moral high ground? You're right, man. Promote, fight promotion is always going to be fight promotion. They are always going to say mean things to each other. But, yes, when you start talking about somebody's family, I mean, dude, you start talking about my kid, like, bro, I'm going to go off. Yeah. You know, my, my, my wife. I mean, that's – that's come on, man. Talk talk shit about me all you want. Yeah. But you start bringing my wife and yeah. kid into it, like, now we got a problem. I mean, and, then, and then religion. And right. that, it's just, yeah, race – that to, that to me is it. Leave family out of it and leave race and religion out of it. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, there's plenty of things. I mean, just go back to like even just the the childhood stuff at the schoolyard. Like, you know, I don't like your face. Right. Your breast stinks. Yeah. You got bad teeth. Right. I'm going to bust your face. Cool. You know, like, hey, you don't need to bring in all the other bullshit. Yeah. You know, just keep it about what is really going on. And like, I don't like the way you talk to yeah. me. I think that was shitty. Look at how Let's great fight. Askren has been. You know? Look at how great Askren right. has been since he's come in. And he's, it's not like yeah. he's like saying anything over the top, but he's getting in sick little burns. Right. And, and they, he doesn't even boom. use yeah, boom roast. Roasted. <laughs> he doesn't even use he doesn't even use bad language, so you don't even right. have to beep it out. You can you can use it right. everywhere. You can do fight promotion without it going to this level. 
And yeah. I, 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 and again, I, I think that's what people need to realize too is we're not just talking about a rivalry with Habib and Connor. Okay, if they don't like, if they don't like each other, fine. They can they can work it out in the cage. You know what I mean? They 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 right. they, they are in a job where they can literally go punch the other person in the face. Cool, but it's all the people around them, including fans that have no direct connection whatsoever, but right. they're just so passionate. And this guy has said something that. Again, when you start talking about race, religion, that right. insulted them too, like right. indirectly. And then all of a sudden, you I know, mean, you see crazy. Sh- the world is a crazy spot. We see, you see publications that have went out there and did artwork that has, uh, um, you know, defamed or has put a bad light on, say, like uh, Muhammad the Prophet and all this other right, shit. And you right. have people attacking, yes. you know, news outlets, and yeah, for them to think France. that it's only going to keep it in the cage when you cross a certain boundary with right. certain people out there. This for them is absolute no-no territory, and whether or not they are a fighter or not, and if somebody is not a fighter, but this is something that you've reached a threshold to them that what you've done only needs to be treated with violence in their mind. Like violence is going to come, so like, gotta be wary of. There's certain shit you just can't mess with without knowing that you could suffer the consequences of it. Which it's it's I guess it's your right if you want to go out there and you want to go there. Do your thing, but you have to understand that shit's going to come to yep. you afterwards, and it's not going to be pretty. I mean, like, it's outside of when – but that's why I say talk about it, him. You know, talk about him, what you don't like about him. I don't like the way your arm looks, motherfucker. Right. It bends all funny like you're funny looking. You know, <laughs> I don't know I'm just wow, stretching it. My game is strong, My bro. Game is strong. bro your left words. arm is so much bigger than your right. What the fuck? Words. What you doing, man? What you doing after work? <laughs> I always wonder. It's, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive, but I wonder if the solution is when things like this happen, and gosh, I don't know where the line would be because, you know, you look at something like uh, what happened with Edwards and Masvidal and, like, people want to see the fight now. But I yeah. almost wonder if, if the punishment is like, no, you guys crossed the line, so we're not making that fight. How about that? Like, we, yeah. are, n- we are not making this fight between you two guys because you've been, you know, acting inappropriately or you've crossed the line until this can get back to some respectable form of – I mean, I know that's, I, I, right. it sounds bizarre as it's coming out of my mouth, yeah. but it does seem like the way to do it is to just, I mean, because if all we're doing, I mean, all we're doing with this behavior is rewarding it. I mean, Connor is an incredibly wealthy individual because of this. Habib didn't do too bad for himself either, you yeah. know, and, 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 and all this is doing is fueling an opportunity for them to fight and make more money again. So it's just, yeah. it seems weird that how can you punish them when in reality you're just going to end up rewarding them at some point and other people are seeing it man that that's the thing is you're seeing right. the example other fighters are seeing it too and it's just snowballs not to mention how that, can we one up that one yeah exactly how can we one up that you know it gets to be okay to to, to do that and it's just it's just not I, it sounds it sounds funny to have these debates sometimes because at the end of the day we're talking about a sport where people literally punch each other yeah. in the mouth, you know? I mean, it's crazy. It Next just, thing you know, you're going to have people jumping people in buffet lines. I mean, just crazy stuff going on. That would there. never happen. When does it end? When does it Perfect end? Perfect example. See, we don't need that. <laughs> we don't need to have this type of behavior, man. Yeah. It's got – we got – again, again. You can't be outraged now if you weren't outraged before. And fortunately, I think we've been outraged all along. Right. I will say I don't necessarily blame the UFC for using it for promotion. It's part of the part of what happens. That's why I'm saying. I mean, it's maybe out you there. Don't do the fight. I mean, they've done they've done their best at times, you know, to shield stuff before it gets out there. But right. once it's out there, I, I guess I I like the idea that now they at least embrace it. Because I remember yeah. it used to be you, you never talked weight cuts, you never talked to anybody struggling, that sure. didn't want to see it on, whatever. And then they realize. Hey, well, it's getting out there anyways, and people are looking at it, and people are clicking at it. How do we spin this? Yep. How do we spin this in a way? And, and and 
Now they do. Now they just embrace it. I well, mean, especially like, once it's out there, I think we you said, can't change it. I think we said before, I don't remember if I was talking with you or not about it, that like, had there not been a live camera rolling backstage in London, I bet that Masvidal Edward stuff never really sees the we light never, of day. We would, all we would have heard was one of them if one of them said something yep. about it, and then we'd be wondering, huh, I wonder what happened. Wonder what happened. And then it'd be done. But since it was live, it But became, since it was live and since it was whatever, yep. and then they went back over it, I mean... It became the news. Once it's there, that's why people put so much high value on some of this. Just you have footage. Oh, okay, well, let me see it. I love it just because it's there. It could be the worst shot, craziest bullshit, and it looked terrible. But it's that moment. That's Once it. you have it, it's like it's gold. Yep. And everybody wants to see it. I mean, because people love train wrecks, man. They love well, that crazy. I guess look no further than the other thing that's been driving our traffic this week, right, is Paul Malinaji uh, yeah. and, and Artem Lobov and the slap. And – uh you know, it's funny, it, and it's funny you mention that because I guess the original video that we had uh, was Mike Bond went out to New York for the media day, and I believe he shot it on his phone uh, and the camera. But it didn't even have it didn't even have the slap in it. Yeah, it didn't even have the slap in it at first because I think he said he was kind of late getting to where they were going to face right. off. Um, but it did insane views because people want to click on right. it, right? Um, and then when you see it, and then what was crazy, I. I, I and here, here we go. We can debate this too. But I mean, Bare Knuckles sent the tape to everybody. Like yeah. the organization, BKSC, sent the video yeah. to everybody. It was like, here you go. And it actually had the slap in it. And when you see the slap, it really isn't much of a slap. No, no, it no. really is not. And, not and, at all. And it's very much. But he still made contact. It still was a slap. But yeah, it was. It's very it much like. Nothing. It's very much like what happened with Artem to set this whole thing off with Habib was like. It was more of I like I imagine the, that was probably no. That's right. It wasn't. Yeah, because he was just kind of like right talking to his face. It was more of like the mm. yeah, like uh, big brother and or, or yeah. son and somebody like yeah. Right. Take my name out, just like a little little, yeah. little gangster slap on the on the <laughs> mat. Not a not a full off like full on pimp slap. <laughs> full on pimp slap. It wasn't <laughs> same thing here with, with Polly. Uh, but it, it, just that whole situation is weird, right? Like Polly and Artem aren't even fighting this weekend. Right. Artem is I was fighting so Jason Knight. I was like, why are they squaring off? Why are they coming to do this? I was like, this makes no sense. <laughs> I didn't get – I mean, I guess it worked out great for him because – and here we go. It worked out great for him because yeah. they got eyeballs and they got people talking yeah. about him. But it just seems like – I mean, this is all we got. All, all This is the only way we can promote the sport is yeah. just this dude hates this dude. Yeah. Like, can't we just like – this guy's an incredible martial artist. Look at look at what he's done. Look at what he overcame. Look at what he. I just. Yeah. I don't know. And, and, and I did appreciate they sent it out. I mean, that's kind of been their. Well, yeah, I guess their way that they've been doing stuff. They're like, you want footage? Here you go. You know. Oh yeah, no, we appreciate. You want it. this keeps, great keeps footage? Business. You know. Yeah, it was a. Uh, because I could tell. Because it. Uh, well, not to get too technical, they sent it in like a vlog format, so the color was all washed out. Right. So I had to like doctor with it. And then remember, we had the stuff from Bond. He's like, oh, well, we also have the BKFC. I'm like, everybody's got that one now. I was yeah, like, yeah. I want footage that is 100% ours right. so that we can use, we can monetize it, we can put it out there, not put out whatever, even though their view was better. That's why I use it only on B-roll and right. one particular other video, whatever. That's why the, the importance of just being somewhere. You never know what you're going to get unless you're there doing it, it, you know, so... Yeah, that was crazy. That was crazy. What, what crazy did you think stuff. about the promoter coming out and saying, like, this is the best thing that could have happened? I mean, he's I like not lying. <laughs> he's no. not lying, right? I is like it the bizarre, honesty. though? Aren't, but you, I mean, I think aren't you supposed to denounce it a little bit or say, oh, we, we could have never anticipated something like this? Yeah. Oh, we're so disappointed. I, mean, I like I the honesty and the openness. And I think also, too, I think what they want to do is they want to shake up 
the the norm of what's been going out there. So I think part of you know even like I love how T-Mobile disruption. Yeah, they're like they're, we're the uncarrier. We're not the your normal. We do things differently. We're wild. So like I think with this, I think it was refreshing for them to say you know hey you know like nothing's gonna sell that card like literally those two getting in each other's faces sure. just like the whole McGregor and Connor the that that whole tour mm. if it wasn't for that tour i'm sure people still would have bought it but to think that maybe that it wouldn't have had the same numbers if it wasn't for that tour putting them in each other's face leading up to it sure i would welcome the idea that the, the numbers wouldn't have been as great if they didn't do the tour so i, I mean like at some point i think you just got to embrace what it is and just agree that once people see that conflict it's gonna sell the thing so i think for him to be like we love it i'm i'm sure he wouldn't have wanted it to literally get physical but the fact that these guys getting in each other's face they would have probably appreciated but since it did happen and ultimately nobody really got hurt right and there was a lot of other people right around there that it could have got oh. it could have got bad but since it was pretty much was not a pretty between those two yeah since it was between those two I think they got in and they got out in the best of best yeah. of all scenarios for the most part. I saw a lot of people saying it was disrespectful to Jason Knight, and of course, obviously, we're big big Jason Knight fans yeah. here on the road show. I don't think it's disrespectful because the bottom line is, dude, nobody knows what the BKFC rankings are. Or right. whatever, you know what I mean? Like, if if Knight could still whip his ass, and, and then this fight could still happen. There you go. Knight it's could not, knock him know. out in the first round. Dude. He literally could go out there and throw a one yeah. punch and knock him out, yeah. and you would still go, all right, so Arden Pauly next, right? Yeah, it's not like they're like, oh, okay, the winner of this fight fights. Paulie next, right? You know that they're not talking about that. They just they see this guy here's a name has history with Connor's uh, side, and then here's Paulie who has history with Connor. It just makes sense that at some point these two would fight. It's That's just, the only thing I think they're it, doing. But just so mad. It is weird that it happened to happen and that Knight wasn't there yeah. to do something as well. It'd be it'd be a He's little like, bit no, better. No, I want to push Paulie. Yeah, <laughs> I don't or, like. Or at either. least you know maybe maybe uh, it wouldn't have got that heated because you know. There would have been something else going on that I think when Paul and Artem got in the room, that became the story. But if there was already Artem's opponent there, that would have been a story that I think the Pauly area would have been able to kind of stay away from because right. they would have had a major focus of the other stuff. I think it just got to a point where they were just like, well, we got to do this face off or we got to do whatever. But it's that wouldn't have probably happened, at least like this, without if Jason was there. Yeah. Maybe that one would have happened and then everybody would have been spent and it wouldn't have the same build up. You Completely. know, I think it's just a lot of pent up energy that just had to release itself. See man, I just and this and this is weird because we're st we're starting out this week talking about the, the you know, the, the Connor Habib thing, like it's gotten to a place that is uncomfortable. This was not uncomfortable. I mean, it's it's cheap. It's cheap clicks, right? I mean, pushing. So they, Polly knows what he's doing. Artem knows what he's doing. I mean, they get it, right? It's it's cheap, but it's not embarrassing. I mean, is that is that hypocritical of me to say? I don't think it's embarrassing. I mean, I think it's just real. It's just real shit. There's real heat there, and then we just saw a moment of guys posturing up, but one of them just took it a little bit too far. You know, right. felt like he needed to defend boxing's honor, and here you are getting in my face. And I think there was probably some real uh, disrespect in Paulie's mind as for the level of what Artem's skill is when it comes to, say, boxing sure. or whatever. So I think in his mind, he's like, well, you know, this guy is a joke. You know, he's been following this guy's coattails that I don't appreciate. You know, and then get him in the same room and then hearing the, some of the stuff that he feels like Artem was been talking about boxing. I think it, he just wanted to show something. I mean, he, he took it a little too far. I mean, Pauly didn't need to take it that far. Right. 
But also, I mean, it'd be, I think it'd be a different situation if they were just out on the street and they passed. I don't think it would have went that far because I think... Because there's, no, there's no cameras. Because there's no cameras. Yeah. And if it comes down when it's outside and you're just picking a fight, that's going to become an MMA fight really, really quickly. Oh, yeah. That's not going to be a boxing match. That's a good point. And, but at least in this thing, this situation, I can get a little slap off because when you look to see when they initially do the slap and they separate, you see some of the people that were the, the Malinaji nut huggers that kind of swarmed up around him, turned. Like when your boys, like if boys fight boys, you know, and something happens to say there's main instigators, you see the guys that kind of form the circle and then they turn around. So there's a couple guys that form that circle and turn around so that if there was another attack, almost like they'd be the first right, wave. Right, right. They had those people with them. That happened because there were people there. There was security there. If that shit happens in the street and you guys just happen to bump into, one, I guarantee you're not going to have your crew with you like that. They're not going to think like, oh, hey, I'm going to muscle up because then shit's going to get real really, really quickly. That's why I saw where something like this can happen because it's still a controlled environment. You know, you might get a couple shots, but somebody's going to put hands on us to separate us. You know you're going to get pulled away. That shit happens. They just meet in the MGM lobby. There's no fucking guarantee. You know, yep. one, security's not going to get there for and I'm going to literally get my hands on you, and something's going to happen. And it still boils down to, yes, I think Ma, uh, Paulie's boxing can definitely piece up Artem. Sure. Artem's got good hands, but Artem's an MMA fighter. Yep. Paulie's not an MMA fighter. Paulie would get his ass whipped in a street fight Absolutely. between Artem. I agree. And if people think that that's uh, not true, I think you're just fooling yourself. Yep. I mean, in a boxing match, yes, I think Paulie pieces up yeah, Artem. Of course. But but if there's no rules about me grabbing no rules, hold of you and throwing you throwing on the ground. Throwing elbows and nope. literally choking you and yeah. trying to rip your head off, Artem's going to fucking destroy him. I would agree. You know? And it, Artem just has he has a – for him to be able to maintain his head strength at that moment, he stayed pretty – I mean, he was throwing some words, but ultimately he was still pretty cool in the head. Right. Paulie just had to keep chirping, had to keep chirping. You know, it was like that point where he finally got himself to that point where he slapped, but then he still had to keep venting, keep himself pumped up. You know, that's the part where Artem, yeah, that's the part where I felt like Artem was becoming like the killer moment where it's like if stuff would have happened from that point, then it would have been on. Then it would have been real. Like if if Paulie and his crew would have went towards that side, I think Artem would have fucking just unleashed. And I'm not saying he is the most devastating kill him uh, MMA fighter, but he would have wrecked. Any of those people He's that were coming towards his way. hundreds of more hours of yes. ground training. With, like, yeah. legit shit, you yeah. know, like. So, <laughs> it, I don't know. It's just crazy. But, I mean, I don't fault BKFC for pushing it forward, for doing whatever. I did feel bad about this particular situation. I'd be interested to see what Knight's thoughts are. So, I'm kind of looking forward to kind of see if, if, if we can get him to really say yeah. something about it. Um, but, I don't know. I'm... Are you going to watch this weekend, you think? I was just thinking that. I kind of want to watch it. There's nothing else. Now, I, I kind of want to watch it. Saturday night, I will be uh, making a return. I got, I got another commentating gig. I'm going Whoa. back to Tough Enough, man. Nice. I'm, 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 gonna, I'm going back to work with the Tough Enough crew again. So I'll be on Saturday night, I'll be working that uh, in addition to the Cage Fury job that I'll, that I'll start uh, next month, which I'm excited about as well. Um, but if it wasn't for that, and because by the time I get done, the results will be out there, and I don't. Where they where are they putting that show on? Uh, which one? The the, the, the tough one. Up? Oh, it's at the Orleans. Yeah, it's oh, at the okay. Orleans. I'm starting. So by the time I, I get done and out, the results will be out there, and I don't yeah. think. What time does fight card? I don't start? think I'd want to buy it at that point. But if I was just sitting at home, if I wasn't working that night, I think I, I think I'd buy it. There's no other combat does sports it start on right, this weekend. It starts right at 5 p.m. Prelims are at five. I think yeah, I, I think I'd watch it. Isaac's Valley flags on there. Is he really? Yeah. 
didn't know that. I haven't seen the full card. Chase Sherman? Yeah, Chris Lee. Chris Lee. Well, again, like. I know. Johnny Bedford. Johnny Bedford. Wow, there's a lot of MMA people. I know. And I think that's smart. I think you got to have the crossover. I think having the crossover helps. Makes me want to watch it. Yep. Even more so. I mean, I was kind of into it just because I wanted to see Lobov. But now Knight. I know there's so many names. But now that I know that there's other ones, I'm like, wow. So they can, they can count on your 1995. Wow, that's much. Huh? Is that how much it is? I don't know how much it is. I just made that up. Maybe it's more than that. <laughs> I don't know if it's more I was than like, that. I was like, 1995, that, that's that sounds pretty cheap, right? Yeah, that's not a. It's probably way more uh, than that. It doesn't really so, say. Yeah, it's probably more than 1995. I was I was living in a dream. But that's a, that's a nice price point. Though. I I would I would probably get on that. But I'll I'll keep clicking on here and see if I can. I know I, feel, I know you know I just know I sound like a hypocrite because I'm saying like talking about talking about well I don't think I am family family race and religion should not be involved. If you want to slap somebody or push somebody, I'm okay with that. Just leave race, religion, and family out of it. That's not that's not much to ask, right? I think that's there's, not. I think there's not plenty of. I right? think there's plenty of other shit. People always say that uh, we don't have our vocabularies kind of went to shit, and I'm a perfect example of that. Right. Just do the work. Find the stuff. Make it more cerebral. There's right. shit you could talk about without to go a cheap route that uh, is really just bad. Yeah, yeah. It's just bad. Day drinking dawn. That was a good one. That was a good line. <laughs> I like that. See, it's creativity. You got to come up with creativity. All right, listen. Uh, outside of. The uh, twenty nine ninety nine on the old. That's yeah. not. That's not bad. Would you? Would, it's would, better. Would twenty four have been good or was nineteen? Twenty four would have been better. Nineteen, I definitely would do it. Twenty nine, ah, man, we'll see. I always just, get. I always because the same thing when I did that. When I did that, <laughs> can just you can just expense it. Expense it, bro. Then I maybe would. Because <laughs> it's the same thing on that lap, one of the last ones I, I did where we only got that one fight, the Mayweather. Yeah. Watched and then immediately had fucking buyer's regret afterwards. I was like, oh, that fucking sucked. Yep. Like, this one maybe not so much. 30, but I'm like, come on. Maybe, like said, maybe there's, there's quite a few fights deal. in there. There are a fight, but then it was like four or five. Four or five fights. Is that worth 30 bucks? That's half of a pay-per-view. Come on, man. Support this one. <laughs> All right, listen, uh, there was some MMA stuff going on this week. I uh, I didn't go because I was on vacation, and I decided, you know what? I should not go. But Marlon Marias was in town in Las Vegas. Uh, and no, no disrespect to Marlon. I like Marlon a lot. Uh, he's an, an incredible fighter and a really nice dude. Um, I just decided, you know what? I'm taking time off. I should stick to my guns and keep my time off because I have a bad habit of just working during my vacations, uh, and I didn't want to do that. But you went there, and you had a chance to uh, – to speak with Mr. Marias, and I figured, you know what, let's play that and, uh, you know, share a little bit of cold coffee's work out there in the field. Here is Marlon Marias at the UFC Performance Institute. Well, obviously the big question, you finally got to where I know your goals have been for a while, getting the title fight with Cejudo. How does it feel to finally get there, and is Cejudo the opponent that you thought you would fight when you were coming to fight for a bantamweight belt? Uh, first of all, I'm very happy, very excited, very determined, you know, I'm going to get June 8th better than ever. That's the fight of my life, and I'm bringing the pain for Atlanta, you know. Everybody know what I like to do. Cejudo knows what I, ha what I like to do, and he better be ready because it's going to be a tough one for him. Unfortunately, uh, he hit the lottery. He's next. So I, I was looking to fight different guys, 135-pounder, pounders, but he step up, hats off for him. But after the fight, he's gonna regret. How do you feel about that? He's fought mainly as 125. 
and now he comes up to fight for the belt uh, as opposed to somebody in the division. How do you feel about that? He never fought anybody like me. I know that 100%. And uh, he's a tough guy, you know. He likes challenges. He want to be a hero. He wants to be one of the best ever. But between be the best ever and him, that's me, Marlon. And I don't think it's going to be an easy way for him. Is there any part of you that's disappointed that you don't get to face TJ Dillashaw? Yes, it does. He was the champion, you know. He defended a couple times. He's one of the best in the world, I think. I, I don't care if he says what happened to him. Uh, Skills-wise, he's a very good fighter. He's, his skills nobody can say nothing about. And one day we're going to meet. What brings you to Las Vegas for this camp? I came to Las Vegas to do a couple tests and, and take advantage of the UFC PI. That's such a huge stru structure they have for us. And I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm very well treated here. They're doing the best for me. I'm very happy, I'm very happy with the UFC. And I can't wait to go back home and blood, sweat and tear, training camp, get back to see you all and fight week. And you guys gonna see what you guys never see before. What did you think about TJ giving up the belt so easy? I, I think a lot of fighters, when something like that happens, they wanna hold on to the belt. You know, until all the things get worked out with USADA and everything, did you guys appreciate that he relinquished the belt and freed it up for you guys to be able to fight for? No fucking way. That's, that's his move, you know? And that's the part I don't like it about the whole situation. He, he's trying to trick the fans and tell everybody that he did this because he's a great guy. He wants to see the division flowing. Of course not. He's away forever. He never say yes to fight me. And... He's just tricking the fans in. But, but I think everybody saw that. He come up with a notice in the morning and he was just anticipating what the UFC and USADA was, was going to do later on. And a lot of times it feels like fighters always hear things behind the scenes that we in the media never get to hear. Are fighters talking about TJ? I mean, are they thinking that something's going on that we haven't heard about? A lot of haters, you know. A lot of people hate the guy. The guy's one of the best ever. Everybody keeps saying, oh, he shits, he's this, he's that. The guy's good, man. You can take whatever you want. If you don't go on occasion, do what you have to do, fight, do what this guy does, like wrestle, kickboxing. He's good everywhere. So people hate the fact that he's a champion, he's a good champion, and everybody keeps saying, oh, this is just because he got caught. Oh, he shits, that. Then, then shit and win the championship, and I will see if that's easy, you know. What are your thoughts on the fact Henry said, I'm going to be the guy that's carrying the flyweight division. I'm going to put it on my shoulder. But then he still goes ahead and now is jumping up to 135. What are your thoughts on that? Bullshit. Bullshit. All, Henry had such a big ego. You know, everybody around him knows that. He likes everything for him. And he's, he wants to, to be two division champion. He's not, he's not fighting for 25-pounder division. He's fighting for himself. We fight to ourselves, you know. And but he's just not saying he's just trying to be the good guy, but he's not. How did the how did the uh, uh, World Series of Fighting? When you look back on your experiences there, how did it prepare you for where you are now? Man, the World Series of Fighting uh, was a gift from God to me. You know, made me a lot of money and made me who I am now—a good fighter, well-rounded, and I got the experience. I went backstage, I seen everything I seen in the UFC, I had tough fights, I, I, I was put in bad spots, 
I was, I was, I was built. I was getting built to, to, to get here to the UFC. And since I first signed with the UFC, I said, I'm here to be a champion. I'm here to fight with the best. And this is what I'm doing. Did you feel anything when you came over to the UFC? Because a lot of other organizations, uh, they don't seem to be, you know, as highly thought of as the UFC. And then did, did you experience anybody looking at you? Maybe you have to prove yourself? Yeah, all, all my, my road in the World Series of Fighting, I heard that. Oh, he's good. He's a champion, but he's not in the UFC. And now I'm here. I fought every, every guy I fought was a top eight fighter. And... I beat all of them, you know, I knock out three guys, I drop all the all the fighters. So I'm on the level, you know, and I prove it. And it's just a matter of time that I show that the World Series of Fighting Champion, now it's going to be the UFC Champion. Marlon, what brought you to Vegas? Why are you here? I'm here with, uh, with uh, the Brazilian TV and we are doing tasks for UFC, with the UFC PI and I'm making sure uh, I, I get the best, the best preparation for this fight. That's the best fight of my life and the most important. So, yeah, are you uh, are you having part of your camp out here, or you just came for like a quick? I, I have training partner here, Paul. Uh, he's a very good fighter, and he's here. We spar here. We train here. Uh, I meet with guys here that I know, and I, I'm training. You know, that's ten weeks for my fight, and I want to make sure that I'll, I'll get there the best Marlon you guys ever see. You, you won't be here the full 10 weeks though, will you? No, I'm leaving today. Yeah. And I want to I go back home, back to New Jersey, back to Ricardo Almeida, Mark, Frank Edgar, uh, Anderson. I'm going to be with all my coaches, uh, the guys I'm with eight years. And that's the guys that they, they all trust me. They put a lot of work on me. If I'm here now, it's because of them. You know, a lot of guys when they uh, when they're going into a title fight, they they renegotiate their deal. They get a new contract. Did that happen for you? Did you want a new deal? On? I'm not worried at all about that now. You know, I know the UFC recognized. Uh, a lot of people talk, oh, have weights finish fights. That that's that's that and that. But man, I, I finish fight. You know, I, I don't go in there to outpoint anybody. And I'm I'm different. You know, they know I'm different. They know what I bring to to the promotion. And I'm always game. I'm, I'm always saying yes to fights. I'm, I'm there to fight. They want to have a champion like me. They know this division is not going to stop. I'm going to be a good champion, you know. I can't promise I'm going to always win, but I'm gonna, always going to show up. And so are you going into this fight on, on the very first UFC contract you ever signed? Are you still on that first deal? Yeah, I'm still in. But I'm very, very excited for what's coming. And you guys are going to have very good news soon. Okay. Where, where is this? Uh, it seems like you and Henry don't like each other. Where did it come from? Because it just seems like like you two really wouldn't have crossed paths much. Yeah. I just, it's it's like that. I just don't like the guy. You know, like sometimes some people you look and you don't like. I don't like him. I don't like his attitude. I don't like how he talks. I don't like how he acts. And he's on my way. He wants what I want, and that's not gonna happen. You know, and it's gonna be a very happy night for me to have an opportunity to be locked with him inside Octagon and people watching, you know. I'm excited to put a bid on him and show to 11, 12,000 people in the arena. And you were talking about, uh, the, you know, you're an exciting guy and the UFC knows, knows that, that you finish fights. Like, top three finishers in the sport, who are they? Like, guys who can finish a fight, the top three in the sport right now, who would you say they are? Ah, uh, man. It's, it's, it's hard to say, but... Let's say the guys that finish fights, I seen 
man, you, you got me now. Put you on the spot? Yeah, you put me <laughs> on the right spot. I, I thought about me, you know. I've been following UFC, and I like Johnny Walker. He's, he's a guy that if he puts his hand on you, you're going to go down. And I'm not like a biggest fan of him because he just got into sport, but he's a very excited fighter. And the fact that you say guys that finish fighting, I seen him like, like a finish. And I used to love it, Anthony Johnson too. He was a guy that he can crack, Francis Ngannou. Meaning most of the guys are big and a little like me. <laughs> Mar Marlon, in your personal opinion, do you think TJ Dillashaw's been cheating for a long time or does it correlate to his weight cut to 125? I can't say anything about that, you know. I'm not with him, I'm not him, and I can't judge him. One thing I can say for a fact, he's a good fighter. Nobody can blame that, you know. That, that's my opinion. If you look at the top of the Bantamweight division, you beat those guys. Do you think Henry Cejudo is a worthy opponent for you right away, or someone else in the Bantamweight division is worthy of opponent for you to fight for that vacant title? Henry Cejudo is only on the wrong wrong spot on the wrong time. And that's many guys, many guys in the division. I think we can have a lot of challenges, you know. And I don't, I don't want to mention names now, but definitely in the top ten, that's many guys that it's gonna eventually be fighting for the title. That's many guys that they have the the ability to get there. Headlining UFC 238 in Chicago. What's your one message for all the fight fans in Chicago getting that one pay-per-view every single year? You don't wanna miss that, you know? You guys gonna gonna go. You guys gonna watch a guy that wants to hold the other one and the other one that's coming to take his head off, knock him out, hurt him. That's what you guys gonna watch, you know? It, it's gonna be fun looking in his eyes and see the desire. Like, oh, I have to take this guy down. My striking is not good. I can't keep up with this guy. Oh my God, you know? You guys don't wanna miss that. It's gonna be really fun. Can you, can you look at TJ? Uh, when you see the growth in his, I'm not TJ, I'm sorry, with Henry. When you look at the growth, I think a lot of people always expect, oh, he's a great wrestler, great wrestler. But did his striking impress you? In, in not the, at all, not at all. He's a wrestler. We all know that. First punch he gets him, he's gonna start thinking about takedown, first kick, and he's a good, good fighter. He's an excellent uh, wrestler, but striking wise, he's not on my level. So if he thinks he wants to stay in the bank, it would be a mistake on his part. Definitely, he's not ready for that. You've trained with Frankie Edgar for quite some time, and what's it like working with that kind of caliber athlete and somebody who's been in the biggest stage of his you know, UFC career, having won belts and all? Like, what's it like to work under somebody like that and to work with them every day? Man, I'm, I'm honest. Uh, if not for Frankie Edgar, I don't know if I was going to be here today, you know? He's such a model for me. I always look up to him. I've seen a lot of champions. And when I saw him for the first time, I said, man, I want to be a champion. This guy is a good model of a champion. And being in the gym with him is just amazing. He's one of the best fighters I've ever been with. His capability to adjust to every, every game, every challenge, every martial art. Like, he can fight a wrestler very good. He can beat a wrestler. He can beat the jiu-jitsu guy. He can beat the striker. He's a well-rounded MMA fighter, and, and since I see him, I want to be like him, and I learn a lot from him, and I want to keep learning and just be a little bit of his. What advice has he ever given you that like stuck with you? 
he always he always told me I could go wherever I want, you know. I just have to believe in myself and no hesitation, you know. Just go, you know, believe yourself. You can do whatever you want and just go. Don't think, just go. Marlon, TJ went down to 25 and now Henry's coming up to 25. Do you have any aspirations to ever go down to 25 or go up to 145 or? It's kind of hard for me to go down to 35 to 25. I, I respect TJ. What he did was very hard, but I, I just cannot. And the 45 divisions, the guys are, are taller than me, and I think I'm big disadvantage. And I, I don't know. I could try. And I, I, I told the UFC a couple fights they have problem. I offer myself to fight in a short notice because I'm, I'm always game, you know, but didn't work out. And I, I, I want to win the division. I want to be the best 135-er, and I want to have the belt. My goal now is this. Which ones did you offer to take on short notice, the 45 fights? I took a couple, couple, couple. Korean Zumbi when uh, the guy got hurt. That's, that's the last one. <laughs> fight, fight. Frankie got hurt, and we offer. But we didn't get to the fight. <laughs> You and uh, Henry have the same management. Is that weird at all? Not at all. No. I'm happy for Ali, you know. <laughs> he's he's doing well in what he do and he's he's weak. I always tell this to him. He, you you equal to all your fighters, you know. And it's he's my friend. I've been with him long time. Henry is with him long kind of shorter time, you know. But I, that bothers me, you know, not at all. It's me and him. I'm going to fight Henry. I'm not fighting Ali, anybody else. Some people worry, oh, this guy's going to watch. He's going to say. doesn't matter. You can say whatever you want. I'm going to do, you know. You, who do you think Ali likes better, though? <laughs> I, I don't want to say. You guys just think. <laughs> Hey, is there is there any 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 disappointment whatsoever about you get to fight for a UFC championship, you get that opportunity, but you don't get to take it from somebody? It's a vacant belt. Is, is there any part of you that really wishes there was a champion that you were going after rather than just a vacant belt? I'm fighting world champion. He just beat the 135 pounder champion. He's Olympic medalist. Mm -hmm. I think I'm in a good spot. No, it's 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 a very good opportunity for me. I don't think any other champion is gonna have the, any other contender. Uh, is gonna have the, the opportunity to challenge against somebody with such a high, high like he's, 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 he have a, a good resume. All right, welcome back to the May Road Show. That was Marlon Marias speaking with the Las Vegas media. And I gotta say, uh, Cole Coffee, man, the dude is coming out of his shell. I like yeah. it, man. I, I I always thought of him as a very kind of a quiet uh, reserve, and he's he's very polite. He's very nice. He's very yeah. friendly. Um, maybe it's kind of the he's kind of got the high like Mike Tyson voice or something a little bit too. It's a, li <laughs> it's a little squeaky for a guy that that kicks people's asses. So maybe that makes it sound like more fun or whatever. But but I, I like him. I, I feel like he's opening up a lot, and I like it. But I do. Tell me this. You you were there in person. I just saw the audio. I haven't watched the video, but it is available on, on YouTube. People want to watch it. But the animosity with Cejudo. Right. Do I was, you, I was do very you, surprised. I was going to say, do you, do you buy into that? Or 
they do share a manager at Dominance MMA. Do you think maybe would, would they go that far as to, as to cook up a little plot to make things a little more interesting? Or do you feel like, do you feel like there's some, 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 some sincerity there? Because I will say. I feel like you're asking me to put my conspiracy hat on. Well, a little bit. But, but, but well, here's the thing is, because I will say this. Like, Henry Cejudo is a little, like, he does have some arrogance to him. Like, he's got yeah. some swag. But I like that. That's who he is as a person. I think when he first came into the MMA world, he was trying to be Mr. Gold Medal, All-American, you know. And I think people saw kind of the, the, the fakeness of it. And I think he's started to be a lot more real. And, yes, he does some goofy stuff like the snake with T.J. Dillashaw on stage. I mean, he does, awesome. he does some goofy <laughs> stuff. But I, I do like I do like that Henry has a little swagger. I do like that he has a little yeah. cockiness. And so part of me believes that Marlon could just look at him and be like, I do not like this cocky guy. But the other part of me is like, I, I wonder if maybe there's just a little bit of dominance MMA, you know, cooking going into that pot. I, I can definitely see that. My conspiracy side would completely agree with that, that uh, why not, you know, I, I can definitely see where management would, con you know, conjure up that little scenario. But there was something in his responses and seeing his uh, his body reaction that it rang true. Like, mm. it just felt like there was something for some reason. Maybe they just never had a, a, a connect or something. Um, maybe it was a fact of, you know, he was there first, then Henry came you know, and became underneath Ali, and then maybe he was this highly touted guy. Maybe he never proved himself initially to Marlon. Maybe Marlon was always like, you know, well, who's this guy? Why is everybody kissing his ass? And maybe it just festered, and maybe something happened. But watching his reaction and listening to what he said, I was really surprised with sort of, you know, how much sort of vinegar he was I spewing, agree. you know, when he came out. I was, I was like, too. wow. And it was like right from the get go. Yep. But it, none of it, when I was listening, felt uh, faked. I agree. You know, just trusting on, you know, his body type, what he was saying, his body language, and just his delivery, like, it felt real. So if it wasn't, good on him. Like, that motherfucker. <laughs> he sold me. He sold me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just think that maybe there was just some sort of disconnect. I think the fact that uh, they are in the same management, they've never tried to either – push them to be friendly and they've right. never have taken upon themselves to to make it happen and i think uh you know whatever sort of happened off to the side that maybe has never came to light as for why maybe there would be some beef between them uh you know something is definitely there you know so uh it's it you know it's interesting because it, it kind of felt like he definitely has a beef to want to hurt henry yeah. like you know which is like wow, you guys are under the same management. You guys don't really even fight in the same league, but like, and you guys are ultimately sort of on the same sort of team, if you will, if you think about in just in terms of having the same sure. manager and running some of the same circles. Um, it's kind of weird. That, I know. That it was, it's, it was a little surprising. so much anger there. I'll be, I, I'll be honest. I do not particularly like this fight, um, but I do think it was the right fight to make, I guess. You know, I just... I wish, you know, there's so many deserving guys at Bantamweight right now. That division right. is so interesting, you know. Um, you know, obviously Pedro Munoz, very, very deserving. Aljamain Sterling has gone on a good run since losing to Marlon yep. Marais. Um, you know, you've got some deserving individuals there. But, I, I mean, if Henry was willing to let TJ come try to take his belt, I know that TJ is no longer involved, but I, I think Henry probably did what he needed to do to earn this, you know, to, to earn this responsibility. And I do wonder – in any way, is there any? Would there be any good for Cejudo to win the bantamweight title and then go back to flyweight? Like, would that be enough to 
to drum up more interest in the flyweight division to try hmm. to say the flyweight. You know, if the guy's like, dude, what are you saying? We, we suck as flyweights. I went up to Bantamweight, and I beat that dude, and then I threw his belt on the floor because I didn't want it anyway. Yeah. You know, now I'm going back to flyweight where I say I belong because that is that that is the only weird thing about Cejudo right now, saying, like, I'm going to save the flyweight division by going to 135 pounds. Like, right. what? what? How does that work? But I do wonder, like – in a long play, if he went up to 135, won the title, and then just like dumped it and said, I'm going back to flyweight where I'm the actual champion. I just wanted to show you guys to talk trash about the fact that these guys suck at flyweight. No, we don't suck, and we could beat guys in your division too, but I'm more comfortable at 125. I mean, I don't even think – would that be enough to, to maybe drum up some interest and, and keep the flyweights around? It definitely drums up interest, but I think it, it – to me, it would drum up more interest just in Henry's – like just to want to follow Henry, yeah. you know, and watch more of him. I mean, which ultimately, if you have the guy that you know, we thought the same thing about DJ. You know, it's like here's this guy that's just literally destroying people. You know, pound for pound, one of the best ones. And if that wasn't enough to drum up excitement for the division, yeah. I think the idea of actually going up and beating the higher class, DJ never did that. You know, uh, so if he was able to do that and then come back down to the 25 division. I think it'd be hard to, to discount or have people not give attention to the fact that the the champion of that division also is the champion of the division up above it. Right. You know, maybe, hey, let's let's pay attention to these 125ers. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you could almost test the theory of, of by being able to go up to 35 and come down would uh, help the division set up more fights between 25ers and 35ers. You know, maybe don't make it only have to be – the champion that's doing it, if, the, if that's how they think it's going to drum up, uh, you know, because ultimately I think it's just about the fighter. I mean, I, and, and this is the point I think Marlon was trying to make. It's not about the division. It's about Henry's ego, and he wants, you know, he it's wants true. to come do it for himself, which he's not wrong in the sense like this would totally help grow the profile of Henry Cejudo if he can go up and get this thing. I don't know if I initially, when I say, man, that was what an awesome feat, I don't in the, my head say, that was an awesome feat for that flyweight to do. Right. I think that was awesome that Henry went so up true. and did that. You know, so I'm still ultimately going to think of Henry when I do it. But it is nice to think of the division and say, all right, the, the champion of this division was able to go up and do it. Does that mean all everyone in 25 can do that? No, not really. So yeah. I can't really say that him by doing that's, that's going to save the division. Yeah. But um, I think if he goes in there and he starches. Marlon and, and he's like, look, I'm the best, but I choose 125, which is full of badass motherfuckers. Y'all need to watch the 125ers and start talking about and bring the spotlight back on the legit. 25. That'd be legit. Then I think people be like, oh well, shit. If he's saying it, yeah. maybe there's something I don't I don't get about this 125 that I've maybe missed. But ultimately, this would be it's going to benefit Henry, um, and I think it would be amazing to see him go up. I'm still sticking with the mindset of I get it when it was supposed to be Henry and TJ. That was the payback. Yeah, you came down. I still think the other guy should have got it, but since of the fact that he's not taking it from somebody, it was a vacant belt. Why not let the guys that were already sort of vying for that belt? Uh, fight for it, and then so, try to take it, from and them. then take it from them. So I think it should have been. Liked that I think too. it should have been like Marlon and like Aljo or something, yeah. or Pedro. Pedro, and I think, then I think and then Pedro, let Henry come up and take the winner. I think Pedro and and uh, it would have been the right one to sub in. I think yeah. Aljo was just right on the outside of that. I mean, you could take Henry up any fucking time. Yep. I mean, like it. It's not like it had to come up and. Do it while there's true. an interim belt, and then you're beating, and then you're actually beating a champion, not just winning a vacant. Marlon title. did talk about that, though. That was one of the things. Like 
he's still a champion. Yeah. He he just beat the bantamweight champion. Right. So and the guy's an Olympic champion. Yeah. What higher accolades? He called it resume. What else do you need to beat? I'm yeah. already beating the champion. And yeah. I was like, dude, that's a great fucking point. It's true. Just for the fact that he doesn't have the 35 belt around his head. Yeah, Marlon will be beating he a champion. He actually beat him. It's a great like point. he beat the champ already. So yep. in all aspects, he is the champ without the belt. So. I like it. Hey, by the way, man, you brought up Demetrius Johnson. Uh, hey, Demetrius didn't just cruise over there, man. He had a little – he got Dude, pushed. Those one dudes are fucking – if people weren't paying attention to some of the cats, like they didn't give him or Eddie easy fights no. by any means. I, and, and you know what? And I heard some people debating that, that one made a mistake, like th- like this was bad for one. To me, that's, this is the, the greatest uh, – yeah. both of those results were great for one sh- because now you that, see like, that hey, is we got legit. real dudes. We got real dudes. Right. If, if Demetrius and Eddie come in and starch two dudes, that doesn't do you any Wait, good. Everybody be like, oh, that's what we expect. Yeah, of course they're going to beat these crappy Asians. Right. You know, Now you're like, oh, well, yep. they got a roster of some people over there. I mean, I thought – DJ was in a scrap. That was, I mean, both of them, I mean, like, I mean, Bro, I we got, Eddie, it's just unfortunate. Like, he ran yeah. into a bigger, stronger dude that had a better night than he did. But DJ, that fight, that was a scrap. Yo, I want to see fight night weights in one championship, man. Those I, those do not, I mean, I yeah. know they do that different testing where they're not making yeah. them cut and they're hydrated tests. Those people do not, they did not look like this. They, Demetrius and Eddie both looked outsized. Yeah. I, Big I, time. I, I I, I don't. I forget the name of Eddie's a Mega Man or Timothy Nasukin for Eddie. Yeah, and then his, you watch he was fucking suit. huge, <laughs> monster. Dude. He was huge, monster. I mean, I was like, wow, Eddie. And I think after a couple of those shots, you know, uh, he was hurt. He was just hurt bad. But I, yeah, man. Be, I thought it was. I, I thought those were good, good uh, results for one championship. Now, I did. Uh, I, I did get a little tired of watching. By the way, I was exhausted. That was a long weekend. There was so much. Yeah, I bed. can't believe I stayed up to watch that. I did too, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was exhausted. But uh, the the fact that they just kept calling it the biggest martial arts show in history or whatever, like, come on, bro. Yeah, I started falling asleep during some of the kickboxing fights. I was like, ah, oh, can you please get through this shit? <laughs> can you please get through this? All right, well, listen, I uh, should say, by the way, because I don't always do it, but if you like what you're listening to, do us a favor. Go into iTunes. Make sure you uh, make sure you subscribe, obviously, first and foremost. But then take a little second. Give us a, give us a rating. Leave us a review. Five stars. We'd appreciate it if you can do. Mm. You know, give us some feedback, positive, negative. We'd really like the positive. It makes us yeah. feel good. No one likes negative. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but, you know, if you feel you must be negative and offer us something. No. Okay, Save just, your trolling for random other YouTube there you channels. Go. There you go. <laughs> Save your trolling. But, yeah, take a second to, uh, to log in. I, I, I forget to ask to do that, but it does help our show. It helps other people find our show. So I would certainly appreciate it. All right, speaking of doing good things, uh, I didn't advertise this because this is, um, well, UFC matchmaker Mick Maynard. I had a chance to speak with Mick Maynard, but you would say, well, I thought matchmakers can't give interviews. Well, they can't, so that's kind of the point. We couldn't talk about anything <laughs> UFC-related, at least not on the record. <laughs> no, but listen, Mick uh, lives down in Houston, of course. He used to run Legacy, so we've known him for a long time. He's a good guy, and he is taking part in a uh, in a, a charity, a fundraising event called Brew Jitsu on uh, April 20th. And if this doesn't fit right in line with right. the MMA Roadshow. Hashtag Frosty Beverages. They're throwing the mats down at 8th Wonder Brewing in uh, – uh, in Houston, and for twenty bucks, you can come. You can uh, take part in, a, in an open mat, get get some roll in with some training partners, kind of test yourself there, and uh, and then you get two beers as well. 
Wow. All for your 20 bucks, and it all goes to a charitable organization, the We Defy Foundation, uh, which is an organization that works with vets, um, basically uh, pays for them to do jiu-jitsu and helps and teaches them to, awesome. yeah, to, to, to do these returning vets. So uh, anyway, I didn't put it on the advertising. I thought it would be kind of false advertising to say, hey, by the way, Mick Maynard was a guest this week. But he is a guest Yeah. because I had a chance to talk to him about this organization, and I figured, hey, why not play a little bit of audio from Mick Maynard, even if, even if it's not the questions you would have loved to ask him on air. Uh, if you want to get those answered, you have, to, you have to give him a few beers and run into him at the bar, and then you get those answered. Here's Mick Maynard. Well, let's talk about this event, man, Brujitsu, combining beer and jujitsu, which sounds about like the perfect combination. So uh, how did this – It's life. Yeah, that's life right there. How did, how, did, uh, how did it all get born, man? How did this concept come together? You know, prior to, prior to joining the UFC – I ran an organization called United States Amateur Combat Association, and that was where we did all of our amateur events through. Uh, but it was a nonprofit, and so basically it was put together uh, so that we, it, it's required to do that in Texas in order to do amateur events, uh, but it was also um, a good way to be able to give back to certain charities and so forth. And so we would do work for different organizations. And, of course, then I joined the UFC and had to put all of that stuff aside and, you know, this has just seemed like a real cool, fun way to, to build community and, and to raise money for, for our organizations again. That's awesome. So what is your involvement exactly? I mean, are you, are you helping run this organization? Are you involved with these people? What's, what's, your, what's your full involvement in it? Well, it was basically, I guess, I, don't, I want to say this carefully because I think someone else had done Brujitsu before, uh, once before in Minnesota, but I had no idea that was the case. I had been talking with uh, the 8th Wonder Brewery, which is a local brewery here in Houston for probably, it's been a couple of years. We've had discussed it and then it's kind of gone away and talked about it again. But truthfully, our goal, our idea was to just you know, get a bunch of guys together, do jujitsu and then have some beers. Um, <laughs> Not bad. Then, uh, <laughs> exactly, which is also cool. But, and it's still what, what we're going to do. But um, I just kind of wanted to try to find different ways to get back involved in giving back, I guess you could say. And it's also nice when it can be fun for everybody. And so I kind of took that old idea that that came that I've had a couple of years ago, and kind of brainstormed with um, uh, one of the guys I'm doing with down here. It's Brian with um, Brian Marvin, who's president of the Weed of Five Foundation, and he also owns Kenzo Gracie Houston uh, down here. And we just started talking and went out there and, and, and put it together. So so yeah, I'm, I'm basically going to be. Uh, hoping to run this thing. That's awesome, man. So, should say uh, for it's two two beers, uh, it gets you twenty bucks, or, or excuse me, twenty bucks. I should say, get you two beers, and you get access for the roll. It all goes to the charities. You said the We Defy Foundation. What it, what is the We Defy Foundation for people that might not have heard of it? We Defy. Okay, We Defy Foundation is for uh, disabled vets, and it pays for them to do jujitsu. Um, so there's there's many gyms, I believe, across the country. Um, that are, I guess, We The Five Foundation members, if that's the correct way of saying it. And We The Five Foundation basically raises funds, pays for their membership, pays for them to do jujitsu. And uh, obviously, um, you know, being disabled, they can cover a variety of, of, of things. I mean, it can be, you know, anything, anything from being lost limbs to PTSD. I mean, there's so many different variables when you use that term mm-hmm. and i think that i think that it's pretty um uh, significant i think it's been proven that 
something like jujitsu and going out there and and um, and, and putting it all out on, out on the mat, so to speak, is a, is an incredible way of, um, of of staying in the moment and getting your head right. Yeah, um, I know for myself, if I don't if I don't do something for it's usually four days is my limit. If I don't do something, well, just about to my heart's about to explode, uh, basically, or something super strenuous. Uh, after four days, I start it starts affecting my mood horribly. And even people close to me know that about me. They even ask me, have you trained in a few days to do something? <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you know, obviously it has so many benefits. So, and you know, that, so that's what this particular jujitsu is, is going to be um, for. Very cool. Who, who, do you think, yeah. who, who do you see people, I mean, who do you think should come out? I mean, do you, do you like, I mean, do you see this as like jujitsu head, you know, total grapplers, or do you feel like if somebody has never been exposed to it, maybe they're just interested? I mean, what kind of person do you think should come out to this? I mean, it's really, it is for, it's, of course, our first and foremost are reaching out to the Brazilian jiu-jitsu community, and it's all family. It's family, kids, you know, it's, I mean, we don't, the kids can't drink beer, but, you know, the kids <laughs> are allowed at the, at the brewery. And they could watch, and people can just not even participate and come and watch. And it won't cost them a dime if they want to buy a T-shirt, if they just want to donate. Uh, well, you know, we're taking anything we can get, and all proceeds are going to We Defy Foundation. Um, but of course, first and foremost, we are trying to tap the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community uh, the, or, the, or the MMA community in general, uh, Jiu-Jitsu and MMA community. Uh, Brian, who once again owns and runs uh, Brian Marvin, who runs Henzo Gracie Houston already has and this is another reason why i reached besides being under Henzo grace myself i've reached out to brian because he has the largest open mat weekly um in the city oh, and wow. it's a true open mat so he invites people from if he doesn't care what jimmy from he doesn't want to know it doesn't matter it's not a recruitment effort he literally is trying to get the entire bjj community and all of houston to come and just roll and have a good time and go Never had to speak. That's <laughs> so awesome. There's really no sales pitch, and so it's a real honest way of trying to get people together. So it was a no-brainer to get him involved in this because I think we'll have a natural group of people that feel okay about going out. Because a lot of times people can get a little political and sensitive about that, and um, so hopefully that's not the case with this particular one because it really is going to be a lot of fun and it's going to raise money for a great cause. That's awesome. And the, the big question, of course, is do they get to roll with Henzo Gracie, Black Belt, Mick Maynard? Because that's really the sales pitch here, isn't it? <laughs> I've got a feeling that people are going to want to kick my ass. That's what the, <laughs> I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it for the team, and uh, I'm going to come on, you know, come on with it. It's okay. I, well, maybe, I don't know about after the beers. Maybe I do need to have a cold beer first. I've got to figure that part of it out. Um, but, uh, but absolutely, I'm looking forward to getting a couple hours of training in, and then, you know, Eighth Wonder Brewery has some other things going on afterwards. Um, I stay and, and uh, hang out a little bit longer. And Our goal here, John, is not to only do one-off. I think our goal is to build this into something at the beginning because we're always obviously in the learning phase. Uh, so we'd like to be able to do this probably once a quarter here in the Houston area. Yeah. Um, I've already reached out to SAFE, at Fortis mm. about the possibility of teaming up with him because he's part of the Weed of Five. His gym is part of the Weed of Five Foundation as well, um, or member or affiliate, however word they use. But I reached out with him about doing it in Dallas. Um, I've even spoken to Lene uh, with PR about the possibility of him going to Vegas. So mate, this, you never know how big this could get. And and as far as 
you know, the charities that we want to work with, it really isn't limited to Weedify. This one is with Weedify. Um, but I've got, I guess, passion for lots of different, you know, honestly, um, at-risk youth is something that what is what we did when we were running the amateur shows, which we were very passionate about. So we were trying to put together scholarships for at-risk youth. So I'm open to all sorts of, you know, let's just go ahead and do some good shit and help people. That's awesome. I wouldn't even mind, honestly. One of the things I think would be cool would be even teaming up with Brian Ortega in California, maybe. And uh, because he has his foundation, and that's something that speaks for him. And why not? Let's go out there. Let's put together, you know, to help the you know the entire MMA and jiu-jitsu community would be involved. And obviously, I'm sure Brian wouldn't say no to some um, to some contributions. Right, that was Mick Maynard. So uh, if you're in the Houston area, be sure and uh, do him a favor. Do us a favor. Go go, go roll for a good time. Or if you're not into jiu-jitsu, just go drop That's by and do a little donation, get a beer and hang out and yeah. have fun. Just, just no. hang out. They're going to have a DJ there. They're going to have other stuff going on. I think Mick said he'd – uh, he'd hang out after the kind of the scheduled window. Maybe if there's any fans that just want to shoot the shit or whatever. Mix Mick's good been known to throw down a few beers or so. Yeah. I think he'll be there. He will have a frosty beverage. I'll say. <laughs> so go down there, take part, and if not take part, go take over. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going there. <laughs> I was going. As soon there. as you hear take part, you know <laughs> what's know, coming it's, next. It's ruined. By the way, for uh, all the criticism uh, that we may have of the of the Conor McGregor Habib Nurmagomedov stuff, the uh, April Fool's joke was pretty good, right? The the chomp chomp rosé. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was pretty good, man. They put some, they put some uh, p- production into that, man. And yeah, uh, I think funny. he had some people going for a little bit. That yeah, he was releasing a a rose, <laughs> and then the the full commercial, and it just like cuts to him. And he's like, shut up. And he's like, let that's me awesome. make whiskey. I thought that I, I thought that was pretty pretty phenomenal. Yeah, that's good shit. Uh, all right, so I want to share a little bit of news that the news got out there. You know, Macy Barber, it came out. That uh, you know she's going to be out for I think eight to twelve weeks as her as her hand recovers. You know I had a chance to speak with her. We played it on the on the last episode. I think you jinxed her. Well, the thing is, so I I think it's okay to share this now. But she was like, hey, uh, so here's the thing, my hand is kind of jacked up right now. And she's like, I don't know if it's broken or not. Um, so like when I went to like shake her hand, she was like, uh, give me a little elbow fist bump or yeah. whatever. And uh, she's like, I don't know if it's broken. She's like, it, it hurts, but I, I don't know. Yeah. She's like, so I'm, I'm waiting on uh, some test results and some scans. Damn. Um, so she was like, so could we, uh, A, not talk about it, and B, do you think you could, like, frame it out of the video? So I, like, tightened up the shot a little bit on oh. her so that it was so that it was not make sure her hand wasn't in there. So I, that was kind of a little she funny. She had something on it? She, no, that's the oh, thing. Okay. So that's what didn't make me worry is well, she didn't have, like, a, a anything on like it. She was just walking around. Yeah. So I was kind of hopeful, you know, so that, that she'd be able to, to be healthy and, and she was okay. I mean, she was like, I'm I'm pretty sure it's okay, but it turns out it was, bra- it was broken. It should be out of the way. But I just wanted to share that little behind-the-scenes yeah. moment there. The uh, more you know. The more you know. I was kind of hoping for her that it, that it wasn't because uh, she's on a little roll, and I think she's anxious to uh, – That was a good scrap. It was. And she's anxious to, to, to get in the spotlight and to, and to keep that – to keep That, uh, that was that a good win for going. her. That was a good win for her. Uh, all right, listen, uh, next week, I should say, we will be in uh, Atlanta together. So me, you, uh, the young Mike Bond will be there as well, be covering UFC 236. So the road show will definitely be on the road, and we'll get to do it together. We don't we, we don't, we don't get to travel as much anymore, it seems, uh, together. I don't we're, get to travel at all anymore, it I, seems. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not going anywhere in May at all. And part of that is because it's my son's birthday in May, and so I'm, I'm staying home for, for some of that. I've decided that I, I just can't. Go to events on my kid's birthday anymore, man. It's to the age now 
where you know what there's going to be a fight the next week you gotta you gotta you gotta remember what's important you know what i mean and uh, so yeah, so I'm yeah. not going anywhere in May, but we're gonna have next week together. But uh, listen, you've been you've been staying busy, you've been hustling, we've been we've been rolling by the Performance Institute, and you, my friend, had a chance to do a uh, a sit down interview mm-hmm. with uh, soon sit to down be expose UFC title challenger Jessica I, so, so, celebrating your uh, shared Ohio roots. I'm yes. I'm sure. Uh, but li- listen, we did, did nothing but just talk Browns and like fist bump the whole time. <laughs> Hey man, Browns. I think about it. You know, listen. <laughs> hey, when we started doing this podcast, which by the way, I figured it out. I was actually thinking about it on the way over here. I meant, I don't think I said anything. Else. Episode two hundred eight would have meant four years, right? Because fifty-two weeks a year, and we've never uh, missed a week. So two hundred eight would have been four consecutive years wow. of podcast. So this is four years and two weeks of every single Thursday. But when I think about it, when we first started. Uh, I, 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 I'll just throw it out there. I think you were nervous to even talk, and now you went from being <laughs> I still don't like talking <laughs> from a videographer to now you did the whole interview yourself. I mean, you I, I saw yeah. you had you had research and notes, and you were yeah. and 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 you you handled the whole thing. Yeah, it, she was she was certainly definitely easy to talk to. Uh, and what helped and what was different about that one was like. Uh, we did instead of doing the interview first and then just go do B-roll or whatever. Right. Actually, got her to do B-roll and actually shot all that as well. So that was like a whole another like hour, hour and a half of like video and like chatting the whole way through. So by the time it got to the interview, we had did the other shoot, went to lunch down in the the in the PI or the whatever the UFC headquarters what, what'd cafe. Get? What'd you get? A uh, salad. Mm. I did the chicken salad, oh, yeah. Nice. You know, I'm okay. trying to trying to be healthy. You know, uh, it's a, it's a good but cap- it was like a huge a salad. It was a, a huge fucking salad. Yeah. Um, I ended up taking the leftovers home. It was so it was so big. But then we went upstairs, and then we were able to sit down and do it. But it was like I had already felt like we she had already opened up so much right. the whole time then that at that point it down. was just it was just a nice easy conversation. And I had a list of things I wanted to kind of go with, and actually, what was great about doing some of the stuff earlier and then going into lunch was that things came out that I had never even thought about that I would maybe bring up. And one of the ones that comes out was just even the talks of like pregnancy and Mm -hmm. the idea of if she ever thought about wanting to get pregnant, if that was even an idea. I mean, that's one of those things that, you know, sometimes I don't want to bring it up with a fact because I don't want to just pigeonhole like, oh, you're a woman. I have to talk to you about pregnancy. But if you open up and set it, you start bringing that up like that enters your mind at one point and it, and it, and you'll find it in, in this interview like when it's what's different in her mind that I never ever thought about is once she started hitting a streak of like a losing streak started thinking about was well, this what I want to do you know maybe maybe this is the time you know I'm not, I'm not getting any younger maybe the idea of having a kid and having the family starts coming to your head where most of the guys, they're not thinking of that shit, you right. know. So a lot of times, I I didn't even think about that. But I was like, oh shit, this is, this is. I was very appreciative of her being honest and open about it. And I was like, well shit, if you, since you mentioned that, I'd like, I'd like to be able to ask you about that in the interview, if you're fine with. It. She's like, yeah, no, that's great. Whatever, whatever you need. And so the interview went a lot better because I think we had been at that point hanging out for like two hours yeah. or whatever, but never did I ever intend that it would go like 30 fucking minutes, right. you know, but she's a good talker. And, you know, I think having that 
Ohio connection. It was just like I felt like I was talking with a friend. And like stuff. being back so, home. Like being, being back, back home. home. Well, listen. Over over the years, we've heard plenty of John Morgan interviews. <laughs> probably too many. Probably more than you wanted to hear. But how many cold coffee exclusive have you had? Maybe four. Three. Just a couple. <laughs> just, just a couple. Just a handful. And now you're getting one. Here is cold coffee and Jess Guy. All right, Jess. Well, before all the good stuff that I know everybody's going to talk about, let's talk about the biggest change that's happening right now. And you, you've, you've came out to Vegas. Let's talk a little bit about why Vegas. What, what brought you out here, and what made the decision for you to make the move out here? One of the biggest decisions behind my move to Las Vegas was the UFCPI. You know, I had got a chance to go see like how the Cavs facility, how their pros, you know, got to use things, and like same with the Browns facility. I got to see how other NFL and NBA athletes were treated and I knew that the PI was offering that and I was like you know what it's time for me to go out there and utilize what you know this multi-million dollar organization has to offer and you know I've I've spent the years working um, at Strong Style so leaving there to go to a place where I could recover better um, but utilize my skill set that they had taught me was you know it was a no-brainer as Vegas was the best place to go. And you touched on it there and I was going to eventually get to it but I guess let's just jump to it. Uh, the decision to leave Strong Style. What was was it? Because you 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 felt that you plateaued there, or is that you just wanted to try something different? What was the decision to leave Strong Style and come out here? There's a lot of decisions, and that's that's for my my um, like for us to to know. But there was a lot of decisions that went behind it. One is that you know I felt like um, I I needed a change in life. Um, also in my training system. Um, but also just agreeing to disagree um, with what I felt my body needed best. Um, you know, the 20 year, you know, 19, 20 year old that showed up at Strong Style is not the 32 year old that, um, you know, left that place too. So I, I felt like the change that I would need would be met here at the UFCPI and I could just utilize all the things that Strong Style ever taught me because I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for, you know, Marcus, Strong Style, you know, all the people that went there, Alex Cooper and those guys. But um, unfortunately, we couldn't come to an agreement about what I felt like I needed training-wise. Do you still talk to uh, some of your, 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 I guess, former teammates now? Like, uh, one of the people I wanted to ask your thoughts when I know you were very close with them was Stipe. You know, do you still stay in touch with him? And what do you hope is next for him? Because I know right now he's been calling, he wants the rematch. He wants DC again. He wants to get a shot at the belt yet. But what do you feel should be next for Stipe? Um, you know, um, I think what should be next for Stipe is, you know, him, him focusing on his family and about the things that are important and that just keeping up his hard training like he always has done and always, you know, just focused on making himself better. And the opportunities are going to come for him, you know, and hopefully the DC fight happens again if that's what he wants or whatever fight that it is that he wants happens next. But um, I do feel like some of our relationships when I left Strong Style got estranged and, you know, some of these people aren't talking to me anymore and it's sad, right? Like they aren't calling me as much. They aren't communicating as much. And I mean, I guess it is what it is. You know, I always support them from a distance, you know, and I hope that when they see me get my hand raised on June 8th that they're like, that's our girl, man. She, she was right or die no matter what it is, and we're proud of her to go out and you know follow her dream, even though things seemed like they weren't going to go in the right direction. But she, she did it. Is that a little tougher? Because I feel like even just leaving friends and going to a new state is a tough emotional thing. But I think fighters and let alone partners and teammates, you guys have been to what feels like war together. You guys yeah. have been to the grind. So is it a little tougher sometimes 
when maybe you, you don't have the communication? I mean, has that been something that's kind of hurt a little bit more in this, in this moving process? It definitely has been really hard with the disconnect between them because there's times that I miss Marcus. You know, he's my head coach and he was a father figure. He was a hero to me. Um, and at times, you know, I, I really miss him and I wish that he had seen that I was growing into somebody different and instead of um, maybe being so hard on me that he'd given me the chance to just, you know, be me more than what um, maybe he said that he wanted me to be. Um, so yeah, it's been hard. You know, I do miss those guys. You know, I have them tattooed on my back. You know, it's it's been a huge adjustment, and I think because of the huge adjustment that they've allowed me to have thicker skin in this situation and just go out and be like, you know what? If I'm not with Strong Style, it's really hard to join another fight team. But the best place was to go to the PI where I could have the Jessica I fight team, and I could utilize things on my own and all the things that they had taught me. So. I, again, I, I hope that they look and, you know, Marcus, Stipe, and, and all of the guys there that we started out with, that they're just proud of me. And, you know, I hope one day when this is all said and done, we can all high five and share our belts together. That's awesome. That, that was going to be my next question was, you know, is the hopes in the future down the line that you guys will be able to, to, to mend whatever fences that maybe were roughed up a little bit, but you hope that that is the, the end goal at, at some point in time. I hope long-term that, you know, I can, I can go back to Ohio and, and give those guys hugs and, and be like, I, I hope that you recognize that you were a big reflection on my life for so many years and I wouldn't have made it without you. Um, and I, and, and I, again, sometimes adults can't agree to disagree. Um, at the time, but then they can, you know, finally find terms later on down the road and, and realize what's important. And we touched on a little bit when when you guys were interacting inside the cage when I got to see you uh, doing some working out, and I wanted to ask you because when you first talked about making the move out here, you said you wanted to, you were starting your new gym, you were starting a new gym, but being here at the PI is not a traditional gym. But for you, starting this new gym was bringing your brother bringing your jujitsu coach, but bringing these people with you and starting something new together. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I've, I'm starting this new team and I'm allowing people to find confidence in their self, but by them finding confidence in their self, I find confidence in myself, right? Because they're believing in me. And again, it's scary, right? Moving across from East Coast to West Coast or Midwest to West Coast, like it's a lot, like there's a lot of uncertainty. And I was really awesome that I was able to convince, um, you know, and it didn't take too much convincing, but um, was able to get them to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel for them, but also, you know, what we both could bring to the table with each other. So for once, you know, I, I I always focused on what was better for the team and not necessarily just for me, that these guys have allowed me to focus on me, but at the same time, after focusing on me, they find time for themselves and they succeed just as much. And I feel like that's true team, right? True team is about reflecting to each other at different times, right? And sometimes it's your turn and sometimes it's the other person's turn, but never letting anybody feel like they're left out. So my team is a team based upon me, um, right now and then when I'm done it's their turn you know and it might be in a completely different fashion you know facet like it might be you know um, Darren's jiu-jitsu world champ it might be Mary my massage therapist's new endeavor on a, a new technique to make massage better right like I want to be able to support them the way that they are supporting me through the fight stuff and what's great and you know a lot of times people say oh my, my fight team my fight team's a family but for you and especially with your brother, your bro that is legit family. So what's it like to 
go on this journey and be able to share this journey with your brother alongside of you? You know, me and Casey, to, to, to share this journey with my brother Casey is, you know, we, we've been through the ringer. We've even had our bad moments as brothers and sisters and were times that we didn't talk to each other and we're mad at each other. And, you know, ultimately when, when our father passed away, it was like, you know, like, let's not do this. Like, let's not constantly find reasons to not talk for long terms. Like, let's, let's be cerebral about our thinking and let's try to talk through our differences. Let's agree to disagree, but still always know what the end result is, is that we love each other and we're family and we got to be there for me. And someone texted me last night and said, I remember the first time I watched you fight when you left the cage, you jumped into your, bro uh, into your dad's arms. I can't wait to watch you win this world title and jump into your brother's arms. And I turned over and said that to him and he, we just both had like this blushing moment. We're like, holy crap, like we really are gonna be world champs and, and I'm gonna do the same thing for you and then I hope one day I can be there in the cage you know, for him and he can jump into my arms and I can congratulate him. You know, It's like the passing of the torch in, in such a great family way. Like we're breaking the cycle. And one of the things we touched upon earlier was being here at the PI, outside of your own fight team, you have access to a lot of fighters that come into this gym. But you had an interesting take on the, the prospects of whether you would work with another athlete or not. And can you talk a little bit about what you would, your, your thoughts on maybe having access and training with some of these other fighters that would be here at the, at the PI? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's very challenging for me to train with other females that I know I'm gonna fight. Um, once we fight, all bets are off. We could totally be friends. Um, but that's just how I'm able to, I don't know, almost um, find a way to prioritize the, the true objection and that is to get you know, the win. And I can't be your friend if I want to beat you up, right? Like we can totally be friends afterwards. So I've been very fortunate that, you know, we're still, we're in the Mecca of fighting and um, Jessie just does a lot of her training here and she's moved up to Bantamweight. We fought, we had a great fight. And I feel like a lot of stuff was going on in my life going into that fight. I had left Strong Style before the Singapore fight and nobody knew about that. And it was a, it's a really big thing going into that fight. So I feel like now me and Jessie have been, our becoming cool and I feel like we've both been through some very similar things that I feel like we're both going to resonate really well with each other's training partners and I'm really excited just for our first training day like we've been talking a lot and going back and forth and I know she's got a fight coming up and I have my fight coming up like we're both been like texting each other like teamwork makes a dream work baby like let's go team Jess all the way so I'm excited for that opportunity to work with another high-level female because I've gotten to work with some other really good girls but never another high-level UFC female where I was like, all right, girl, we got this. Like, we're both on the same level. Like, let's just reflect and make each other better. That's awesome. Was there any sort of, what was the UFC's take? Did you reach out to them before you made the move? Did they assist in any way? And how, how have they been to the whole process when they knew that you were making the move out to Vegas? The UFC PI has been incredible they have exceeded all expectations that i could ever even think i mean they have been so kind to me and they've been kind to every fighter right like so it's not just me right like they're here for us as fighters and like i think that a lot of people haven't utilized it or seen how great it is and i hope that i can teach every one of you that the pi is the place to go for fighters who maybe don't have a family a fight family anymore they're looking to create their own that these people are really here just for the better of us. And I'm really glad that I made the decision to come here and not necessarily 
go to you know just a team because it was a team but i came to the pi because they're here for us so they've been super helpful and again i didn't reach out to them like i think they all kind of heard through the grapevine that like i think i is moving to vegas like she keeps saying things on social media like we're not really sure something's going on but i think i's coming and then like i told my manager i was like hey will you message the pi and duncan and let him know like the evil's coming like Jessica Ice coming, she's she's coming to do all of her work out of the PI and since I've been here it's felt incredible. It really felt like home. Like leaving Strong Style was scary, you know, and I felt like I was never gonna feel like I was accepted anywhere. But I actually came here and I felt more accepted than even I did at Strong Style. So it was like I, you know, made a place for myself and it's it feels incredible. Speaking of other decisions that have worked out in your favor, the decision to make the jump to flyweight has been very, very successful for you on a three winning streak. Talk a little bit about the benefits in, in, of being at flyweight and what was the immediate things that you noticed maybe of how your body felt, how you performed and the reasons why you wanted to go to flyweight. You know, it's like, um, I feel like my move to flyweight has been something, you know, I have wanted since the day I came to the UFC. I can tell you, numerous times I've texted Dana or Sean, I said, please just let me fight at flyweight. That's where you found me. I, you guys, I never fought at Bantamweight, never. Not at once until I came to the UFC. And, and I felt like I was always the kind of girl, like we always would joke, I'm like, hey, let's try, let, let's try straw weight. Let's try it. And my guys are like, no, we are not doing it. Like Marcus and everybody's from so I was like, we're not going to straw weight with you, just so you know. But we knew that 25 was like where I shined at, you know, and it's so unfair that in other sports, you know what I mean? Like it's not fair to make a sprinter a long distance runner. It's not fair to make a long distance runner sprinter just because it didn't, you know, make sense at the, you know, for them, like, cause there was only one, one, you only had the one mile, right? Or you had a hundred meter dash. Well, we realized there was all this in between stuff. So I think that that's what the UFC realized that there are all women of all shapes and sizes, just like there are of men. So when, you know, we took those losses at Bantamweight, it was just like more signifying, like, I know I'm in these fights. I know I'm competing competitively, but the difference is the weight class. And, you know, that was the difference for me. I was always just a little bit smaller than the Bantamweights. Um, I think I could keep up weight-wise or keep up strength-wise, but like when it comes to the fight, like it's just that little edge, you know, like, and there's a reason weight classes, you know, exist in every sport, you know, so it was nice to see them finally start to happen because I knew once, once flyweight came, like all bets were off and I have, I've done everything I said I was going to do at Flyweight. I'm just going to keep doing that. Not because it's some kind of facade or I just want to sell tickets. Like, this is truly what I feel about myself and what I know, you know, what, what I know that my purpose is, you know, and I've been given the chance to succeed in the lane that most, you know, suitable for me. And speaking of, of that success, what do you think, I guess if you could point it to, what, what's been the secret to it? Is it the weight change? Is it that you, you've been fighting at a bigger division recently and now you're coming down you know, and you're, you're now maybe the bigger fighter now in this division. I mean, what would you point as to being the secret to the, to the I, success? The, the, the secret to the success right now, I'm still trying to figure out, right? Like, because it always changes, right? Each fight camp, it kind of changes a little bit. I think that the biggest thing that has happened of it all is my sense of self-confidence in myself. Whereas like before I was like, all right, you know, like, God, these girls are probably edge me a little bit, but like, the way that I feel like the edge of me, like when I cut that last bit away, like it's not fun, it's not easy, right? Like it makes me hungry. Whereas before at Bantamweight, it was kind of like, all right, we can make the weight. Like 
it's not too hard, right? And I got lazy with myself. Whereas at flyweight, like the hunger in me is, you know, is more like everything has to be calculated. Every meal is calculated. Every hour of sleep is calculated that it becomes down to like, you know, making me like a mad scientist so that when I get to the fight, like that last bit of the cutting weight has made me hungry. Like I've, I've stripped myself of every enjoyable thing to make sure I'm the meanest on that moment. And I think that that's like the edge, you know, I've been waiting to have again. And that was the edge that made me successful for the UFC even to want to sign me. You know, the years back, I never, you know, I was a straw weight or I was a five weight before I was a straw weight or a bantam weight. So like, you know, you found me there, you found me at flyweight, you know, give me flyweight. So it's, you know, it's here. And I think that's what's the motivation behind it. And you, sp you, you talked about the, uh, the mindset a little bit. And I want to get your thoughts on that because I, I, we know we hear fighters uh, talk about a lot of times it was, it was the mental side of things that either made them lose this fight or, or that. But how important is it and how important is your mindset right now um, attributed to your success? I mean, like, has, the, has there been a switch in the mindset, the way that you're approaching the fighting lately that's maybe crediting to why you're doing so well? I think my mindset has really changed. I think that's growth as a woman, right, or as an adult, right? Like, I'm, I'm not the same you know, 18, 19 year old girl that found this sport, you know, and I'm not the same girl I was at 23, 25, 27. You know, I think that mental uh, maturity came, right? Just by through age, um, but also, you know, just going through some really dark moments. Like most people come to the UFC and life kind of happens in a great way. Like for me, first fight overturned for marijuana. Second fight, I lose a close decision. Third fight, I bust an ear off. I'm going to do something great. Then four losses straight. It was like, whoa, like so many things were happening in my life. My father was um, sick with stage four brain cancer. We had had a troubled relationship. I'd been in a troubled um, you know, relationship with a man. And I feel like all of those things, like I was just like, oh, it's whatever. It's just gonna make me tougher in the fight. But really when it came to fight day, I was exhausted. I fight week, I was just like away from all of the bad stuff. and. And it wasn't even all, all bad, but it was all mental stuff. Like I, I have been um, bad in the past of being too hard on myself emotionally and taking on way too many things. Um, and I think that that's like, you know, one of the biggest things about me coming out to Vegas has been a little bit more like just focus on me. And it's just by nature, I want to help and give so much that now I'm away from all that stuff. Um, you know, my father passed away. Um, some of the, the bad skeletons from our family have gone away. We've dealt with them. Um, I'm not in a bad relationship with a man anymore. And, um, you know, I'm now forced to leave. You know, I, I wasn't forced, but I, I left the team that I had been with all those years and forced into a new setting that now it's like I'm finding a much more mature Jessica and I'm finding just a better relationship with myself if that makes sense like I'm now making a better connection with me and emotionally mentally and physically that like it's hard to take me out of my element because I know that that usually ends up in me feeling bad about myself losing a fight or whatever it is so just found better connection with myself and let a lot of the past be the past let the future be it's you know it's exciting self yeah and speaking of the past and, and, and I have to ask because you bring it up and I, I've I've lost my father in the past as well, but I know also a lot of what I do in my life, I hope to make him proud, even though he's not here. Do you have a, that same sort of issues in your mind? It seems like your relationship with your father and your past helps drive you forward as well. Do a lot of the things you do 
Is it to make your father proud? Do you feel? Me and my father had such an interesting relationship. And I think sometimes I struggle with the way that I tell it because there's times I'm mad at him for the way he treated me. And then there's times I'm so proud that I was his daughter. Um, because th there was a lot of things that he struggled with in life that he didn't know how to. And you know, you almost forget like your parents are still people, right? Like they still have feelings. But when you're a kid, you just look at your parent like you're supposed to be perfect and you're supposed to treat me perfect. Um, and the older I got, the more that I realized like my dad was 27 years old when he had his first child, my brother. And then, then there was me and you know, like there's like think, think of it back then, like I'm 32 years old. I don't even have kids right now. Like to even think about that, like there's a sense of patience you need. There's a sense of stability you need. So, you know, with him, like we had such a troubled relationship um, through my teenage years and then even through my adult years, but he was my biggest inspiration. You know, I, I adored him. Um, and as well as me finding Marcus at Strong Style, I adored that that strong man quality in them. But then at times like I would cower to it and it would make me feel less of myself. Um, but that was something that I've needed to learn to deal with myself. And I've learned how to that like, now I just look at it as like, hey, I wanna make you proud, right? Like I wanna make, you know, Marcus proud. I wanna make my dad proud. Like I wanna show you guys like as much as I have been a bullhead and super strong, you know, like, and maybe you thought I wasn't listening, but in all reality, I was really listening. Um, maybe just the way that I listened wasn't normal for them. So again, it's like all that I can do now is hope that my, my dad looks down on me from above and my old teammates, you know, watch me, you know, on the TV and just say, look, you know, like we're proud of her. We always knew that that's what the end result was. Love it. And, and you, you mentioned it there. And so I'll, I'll follow it there, but you, you talked about you didn't have kids. You mentioned your age, but right now you're also, you're on the, the edge of what could be the biggest career moment for you right now. But there is that point where you did think about kids a little bit. Can you talk about where that fits in your timeline of things? I know in your mind, you want to get that belt. You want to defend it for years and right. years. But that idea of parenting does come up from time to time. What are your thoughts on that when it comes to where you're at in your career right now? I knew, I remember being a young girl, like in my 20s and being like, I never wanted kids. I was the first person to be like, I don't even think I can have kids. Like, I don't want kids. Like, I don't want that. Like, that's just not the life for me. You know, like it was just, that's not for me. And I think it was when I took some of those losses straight, I was like, am I doing the wrong life? Like, am I supposed to be like your stereotypical chick, you know, be a stay at home mom? Like. You know, have I met a guy that I would want to have a child with because I don't want to get divorced, right? Like I want to have a baby with that guy and I want us to be married and I want us to do the whole fuck white picket fence thing, right? Like I want to, I want that, right? Like I didn't have that, so I want that. Um, doesn't mean it's going to be perfect along the way, but you know, when I, when I was taking those losses, I'm like, man, it, it, should I be focusing on other things, right? Like maybe dating, you know, cause dating is the last thing I focus on right now. You know, my career, my nutrition, you know, my dog is like my number one priority. And, and, and even my, my boys that are here with me, like my friends were, you know, those, those are more important to me. So when I started taking those losses, like that was something I thought about, right? Like I remember after the Betch Gohea fight, I'm like, man, like, I can't keep doing this. Like, I can't keep losing. Like, I want to, I want to have a family. I want to have a kid. Like, um, but then like, as soon as I would say those things, as soon as they came out of my mouth, like I wanted to be like, take it back. Like, you know, you want kids, but you're not done. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't the time. Like, this isn't it. Like, this is not how things are supposed to go for you. So, um, 
you know, I just continued to truck away, right? They got the announcement for um, the flyweight division and I was like, all bets are off. I knew it. I knew that I didn't walk away. I knew that I didn't, you know, like almost fall victim to like insecure thoughts of what I thought I was supposed to be doing over what I knew I was supposed to be doing. So, you know, here we are, you know, three fights deep into the biggest career change that, you know, no, most people don't get the chance to save their career the way that I did or be given a second chance. And I'm fortunate enough, I'm given a second chance to reinvent my career and it's going the way that I said that it was gonna go because I'm taking charge. But, you know, the end result is, you know, one day fighting will be done, you know, and as long as I leave the legacy that I know I'm supposed to leave, I'll be able to take the next step and, and, and marry, you know, a great man and he'll get to marry a great woman and I'll have me some little pipsqueaks and, you know, maybe I'll have my own little fighter one day, fighter girl or fighter boy. So, yeah, I think now the older I've gotten, I, I want it, but it's just not... It's not what I want right now, so I'll do everything I can to avoid it. <laughs> so right now, you know, winning the world title will be my baby, and um, it'll be my, my most prized possession so that until I'm able to take the next step in my life, that will be my next prized possession, which will be a child. Well, speaking of this opportunity to, to, to fight for the world title, how did you find out about it? Set up the scene. Where were you at? What were you doing? At oh, the man. Time? So, okay. So we went out there. We won the Caitlyn fight. We knew, like, all right, wait a minute. Like, this is going to be the moment, right? We're three wins deep in the division. Valentina fought that night. Like, they had to be setting this up, right? So we're still number eight. We fought the number two girl, one of the best girls even in the division, because Caitlyn is, you know, incredibly tough fighter, right? Game plan won that fight um, more than anything, um, because she's just as tough as me um, in that way. So we win the fight, we get home, like we're still kind of like, oh my God, like it really is happening, right? We're really gonna end up fighting, like we're gonna be everything we said that we were. So um, for me, like my most like prized thing of like getting my fight pay, but like then going to pay my boys, like, hey guys, like here's your piece of the pie, like here's mine, here's yours, like we all get to split up. So we were all like kind of splitting up that day. And all of a sudden I get a message from Dana and it's a video message basically being like, the MMA gods were good to you. Look how I jumped up to the number one contender spot. And I'm like, oh my God, guys, like, do you know what this means? Like, this means like we're the number one contender. This means that we're going to get a title shot. Like, there's no way they can look past me at this point. Well, um, Dana's like, hey, you know, I'm like, I'm ready when you are. I just, I'm out for another four weeks. I docked my teeth loose. One of the things I keep saying about all my interviews, like, I don't know what keeps happening in the fight, but I just constantly keep biting through my own lip. I think it's like, trying to hit them as hard as I can. So I'm like biting down my mouthpiece, but all reality, I'm like biting my lip off. So I had actually bit through my, my lip and had like seven stitches, but also knocked my teeth loose from biting down so hard. So um, I was out for four weeks um, post fight and they were like, listen, no contact, your teeth are loose. Like unless you want severe infection or actually have no teeth, um, no contact. That means nothing. Don't let those teeth jitter. Like it was even a point where like I couldn't eat like afterwards, which is like me. I'm like, dang it. I can't eat all the fun foods. Right. Like I didn't get to eat anything bad for the first week. And if I did, I was like shoving it into like the side of my cheek to like, get it back there. So, um, we had actually been offered the fight, um, to fight in February against Valentina. And I was like, I, I can't take the fight. Like I can't fight the fight right now. I need a couple more weeks. My mouth is not healed. Like, I mean, what do we do? Say yes to the fight and then get halfway through the camp and then might get a, a mouth infection. And 
look, you know, I think people think that, like, I'm just trying to get out of it, but I've lost a lot of teeth over the past couple of years, and I know other fighters can say the same thing. Like, we're getting punched in the mouth. Our teeth are getting cracked. Infections are getting in there. And, right, like, I can't fight if I have a tooth infection. I can't, I can't do anything if I have loose teeth. Like, I literally think I put out a, a post one day, and I was like, you want to see I'm missing four already. You know what I mean? Like, ideally, I'd like to get some nice teeth in there. Like, I've been avoiding it on purpose. So, um we got offered it for the February time, and I'm like, oh man, like, am I gonna miss this chance? Like, I went back and forth with Mick, and Mick was like, you know, we'll look for somebody else, and I'm like, please don't, like, please, like, I'm not trying to miss this opportunity, right? Like, I want to do this. You guys know I'm working with your medical team, and they're the ones who said I'm off for four weeks, right? Like, I'm medically suspended. Like, please don't overlook me, right? Like, I'll be ready as soon as, like, I'm, I'm still working out, right? Like, I'm still doing some stuff, but I can't get hit. And how can you ask me to take a fight when I can't even do the number one skill that it is to make the job done? So um, they pushed it back, and it got pushed back to getting bloody in the Midwest, which I am pumped about, right? Like, and Valentina should be excited too, right? Like, I hope that she takes, you know, this opportunity, you know, like, I'm not a pushover. Just because I lost before and everybody wants to identify me with previous fights that I'd had, like, I hope she takes this extra time and really works on being a better her and being just as ready for me as I'm going to be ready for her. Um, because this is a real chance at two two tough chicks really fighting each other, you know, like this isn't, this is the cream of the crop right now. And, you know, if, if she doesn't take this extra time to make herself better, um, she'll be surprised fight night because I'm taking all this extra time to make sure I am the best me, um, but also to make sure that I'm healthy enough to make it through the whole camp. You know, because um, had I taken the fight before, she would have been in another position where she had been with Nico and the other girls to when we get up to the fight and then I have to pull out because there was an injury that was forcing me to take the fight. You know, I'll, I'll make the way. Uh, my teeth are ready. You know what I mean? My body's ready. My mind's ready. So, you know, this is where we get a true chance to lead up to some really awesome stuff. You know, not just to take the fight because you know, other people feel that it's supposed to be that way. You know, like we're fighters. We got to make sure our body's right first before we go in there and fight. And this is sort of a two-part question that goes off of that. That jump from, you said, number eight up to number one. Did you think you would maybe have to take a, another fight when you saw that number for your name? Did you, in your mind, did you think that more than likely that you were probably going to have to take another fight to get that spot? Yeah, I knew that when I had jumped up all of those spots, I knew that I had signified myself. I knew that I had to take the Caitlyn fight because I originally asked for the title fight back after we came home from Singapore. And Dana was like, nah, I need you to do a little bit more. And I said, fine, I'll do another one. Okay, that's fine. If that's what you want, I'll do that. Um, but I'm going to win it. So when I win it then, is that, am I going to get what I want? Um, so I knew going into that, especially the way that the UFC does stuff. Like we were both on the same card, right? Like I just knew what was ultimately coming. I just had to make sure I went and put, you know, the dot on the eye and get the win in that way that I felt like that was it. I felt like that was, that was it. Gotcha. And I know I said it was going to be two part, but I never got to the second part, but the second part would have been, so did you watch that fight between um, her and Joanna? And what did you think about that fight? And were there things that you were able to glean from that performance that you could use in your fight? I did not watch the Valentina and Johanna fight that night. It was, you know, once I won, you know, all focus gets turned off of me winning and it gets turned on to like 
my corner, my team, my friends, everybody drove up to Toronto, right? Like at that point, like I don't even like to usually watch the rest of the fights. And I had actually asked if I could go out there and watch the fights. And once they told me, no, I wasn't allowed to go out there. I was like, all right, I'm leaving the venue then. Like, there's no reason for me to be. If you're not gonna let me sit there and watch it live, I'm not watching it on TV. Cause I would much rather go sit and be with the people that I care about and that have literally made sure that this moment happened. Like it's time for me to stop focusing on me and, and focus on them. Um, but I do know that my the people that were supposed to watch it, my corners, my coaches, the people that were going to help me, they watched it and they picked up what I needed, you know, and I'll go watch closer to the fight, but I, I need to focus on me, right? Like, and, and again, nothing against Johanna um, by any means, but that's not a true flyweight fight, you know? I, I again, like, I, I don't feel like that was something I should gauge Valentina off of. I feel like I should gauge her against, um, you know, some of the other flyweights that she's fought. Well, gauging Valentina, let's, let's talk about where is she dangerous? What are you expecting? Are you expecting it's going to be a striking battle, staying on the feet where you're going to need to use your boxing versus maybe her kickboxing? Where do you see her? the dangers of her coming into this fight? I think that we all know that Valentina is an incredible Muay Thai specialist, right? We, we know what she loves to kick. We know that she loves spinning techniques, right? Like we've seen her, you know, grind people up against cages, right? Like we've seen her on the ground and we've seen her finish someone on the ground. So I think she's very, very versatile in that way, right? Like I think that she brings a lot of years of experience to it. Um, I think that the difference between me and her is I have taken my weaknesses and made them my strengths where she just takes her strengths and tries to make them stronger and doesn't make doesn't take what she's not good at and make it better. And I think that 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 was I remember when that happened to me in my career whenever I found out my weaknesses were truly being pulled out, right? So my my job and my corner's job will make sure that we capitalize on all of my weaknesses, make them my strengths so that we balance it out, but we take her weaknesses and we, we really capitalize on that. And I think one of her biggest weaknesses is, is her ability to adjust to the fighter that she's fighting and do something different. So again, I think being versatile and being a true martial artist wins this flyweight title and keeps me champion for a really long time learning how to plug and play each aspect of martial arts. If it's boxing, if it's striking, if it's kicking, if it's um, you know elbows, if it's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, if it's catch wrestling, regular wrestling, you have to learn how to be good at all of them so that you can learn to, listen, plug and play, baby. Plug and play by the second. You gotta learn how to adjust at that moment. And that's been the difference, um, I feel like, that I've been showing. And what would it mean to obtain that belt for you? <laughs> To obtain a UFC world title is like, um, it's the highest accolade I could ever give for myself. You know, it's, and maybe that'll change one day. Maybe I'll get better at, you know, something else will be it. But for right now in life, like this is all that I've ever wanted for me, for people who have been down and out, for the kind of people that have lost, 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 and then won, and then just kept winning from that moment that, this title means everything to me. It's, it's for the, the losers who never thought they would win. It's for the winners who, who really like, you know, see what winning does for other people, right? Like the kind of winner that gives their win to everyone else and shares it with the rest. And I feel like I'm that person to kind of, I feel like I've taken that lead on being the kind of person that goes through all the crappy things to come out ahead and show them like, hey, you know, like, you can go through anything bad in the world, but if your self-belief is higher than 
than anything, you're going to achieve your, your ultimate goal. And here I am achieving my ultimate goal. I'm 3-0 and in, in the flyweight division, and I'm going to end on top, and I'm going to get a world title. And like I, I feel like I can feel it on me now, and it's not to even take anything from her, but it's just like what I know my, my purpose is in the world. And we always joke about it like, you know, they had Rhonda the reason, and they have all, like, I think another girl calls herself the future. Well, I'm the purpose. So I'm, I'm, I'm the purpose why people, why people believe, and my belief is so strong. And, and finally, I know, I'm not sure if you're one that does predictions or one that just uses visualization to, to obtain what you want, but when I'm sure this fight is played out in your head, how do you see you getting your arm raised that night? I've seen it played out every way, and right, and I, I feel the fight has gone. I, I've, I've won in every way. I've, I've lost it in some ways, right. But then, like every time, like any time I've ever thought of myself losing, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel like it was ever going to happen. So, like all that I see is just me winning with that, that sense of gold in my heart and and greatness that I don't see myself losing anyway and I, I see myself winning and no matter where the fight goes but all that I can see is this <laughs> and this and I smiling face so no one can tell me I have an ugly crying face because I already know my ugly crying face is terrible I hate it <laughs> and great teeth right right and great teeth man first thing I'm ever gonna buy is is brand new teeth I think that's everybody said like what are you gonna buy teeth new ones so I can eat all the candy I want Back to the Roadshow. Cold coffee putting in the work there. Ooh. Are you still there? Did you make it through the full interview? <laughs> Hopefully you did. Hopefully you did. Uh, I, I like seeing you do that. Hopefully we'll get a chance to do more of that stuff. The the folks at the PI are starting to get really good about communicating who's in town. and yeah, So we're starting to take big, advantage big of it a little bit more. Because, yeah, it's not just scoping out on social media and waiting to see somebody's yeah. here and then trying to set something up. They're telling or like us. happen to be there. See, like yesterday I saw Uriah Hall there when we were – when I was setting up for the Marlin, I was like, oh, Uriah's here. I was like, I wonder what he's going, you know, what yeah. he's got going on. But that's how it always is. You know, it's like usually we just stumble upon somebody there. And we're like, oh, what's so-and-so doing here? You so know? true. Now they're actually trying to communicate it and use it a little bit more. So Which it's is good. very helpful. It's very cool. I'll tell you what, uh, real quick story on the way over here. Uh, I had to grab some, some food. I hadn't eaten breakfast or lunch yet before I came over here. And uh, so I stopped off at Chipotle. Got a, got a little bowl, brown mm. rice, black beans, well, little okay. carnitas, salsa, phenomenal. What uh, kind of salsa? The hot. And I got extra one? hot. Two scoops. Two scoops of hot. Is that like the super red the, one yeah, or something? Yeah, the bright red one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, two scoops of hot, brown rice, black beans, carnitas, perfect. Uh, but uh, I ran into uh, A.J. Matthews there who fought at Bellator this past week, and he had that that bizarre fight with David Rickles where he uh, where he dropped David Rickles early on. It looked like the fight was going to be over, and then Rickles, man, showed a lot of heart. Battled back, um, and uh, and and basically was able to come back and stop AJ in the second round it, via TKO. There was a a punch to the eye, and uh, man, you know, talking to AJ today, you know, still he's it's still fresh in his mind. It's only a couple of days ago. Uh, it's always interesting to talk to somebody, you know, a few days later. You, you he still got some bruising, and um, you know, kind of talking about just the way his mindset changed, you know, that that mouthpiece kept falling out and the rhythm changed and it it changed. This game is, this game is such a mental game too. And he shared some stuff behind the scenes as as well that, um, you know, I I think he wanted to keep private, but you know, it's, it's the, it's the thoughts that, that go through fighters heads and the things that they're dealing with it. I I think we forget about sometimes, man. I mean, we see the physical side of the sport, but man, the mental side of it is such 
both in the cage and then and then following it. You know, the highest of highs, lowest of lows. So right. it was it was interesting, man, to, to to run into him unexpectedly and to just you know be sharing a. I think he was throwing down on some tacos or whatever, and uh, you know getting to talk about that and really just the the mental side of the sport, man. I think you gotta you gotta put a lot into it, man. Whenever you're you're thinking about this sport, these athletes, man, you, you got to think about what they go through mentally in the cage and, and, and mentally afterwards as well, man. It is it is an, an unforgiving sport, to say that the it least. Is. So. And I know we've always tried to be very thankful, and we'll do it again now. I mean, like, I'm so super thankful of what these, what these athletes do, that we're able to make a living doing what we do. So mm-hmm. as much as I might be a schmo sometimes and, and, and criticize certain performances or whatever. I am ultimately always very uh, it's thankful. It's okay to be critical. That's yeah. okay. You just that's kind of what we do. But, but you're not like you're not like well, that dude sucks. You know right. what I mean? Or that dude right. obviously doesn't care. You know? Yeah. It's like, bro, no, they, they they do. They do some they do some amazing shit. They that, do. Uh, Different breed, different breed. No doubt. Are you gonna be uh, you're gonna be pulling for Jessica I now. I mean, I know we're not supposed to well, have cheering interest. Well, but I, you know me. I'm, I always kind of homer a little bit for the uh, for the Ohio people. Yeah, um, I, I lean Texas. I ain't. But gonna I mean, lie. I'm a realist. Uh, I mean, I I think ultimately, I think Valentina is just just she's fighting at such a high level. <sighs> Um, I think it's tough for anybody to yeah. to overcome that, but yep. in my heart of hearts, of course, I would be so happy for for Jessica. I might still homer and pick her just for the fuck of it, because I mean, she did take two hours of her life to to let me in and share with her family. <laughs> the least I could do is throw. The least I could do throw is throw a pick her throw away. a pick her away. You know, <laughs> so don't be surprised. And and the people that listen to this when they see my pick on the. On the junkie staff picks, they they'll understand why. <laughs> That's phenomenal. That is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. All right, well, listen. Uh, yeah, like I said, this weekend I'll be doing tough enough. Uh, I don't think it's going to be streaming. I'm, I'm just kind of getting back into work with them. I'm excited about it. But they do tape uh, for BN Sport now, so I'm, I'm, that's pretty cool. I think it'll be a televised package later on. But I'm excited to get back with them. Tough enough, absolutely the premier destination for amateur martial arts, man. They they have uh, they do a great job of developing, and they do great shows. So if you happen to be in the neighborhood, uh, definitely come and check it out. It'll be at the Orleans. Uh, and, of course, then next month, my CFFC debut along with CM Punk. That'll be on USC Fight Pass. So I'm, I'm, I'm anxious for that, man. I'm looking forward to it. So, anyway, that's what's going on with us. Uh, listen, I'm going to go back to being on vacation for a few more days. i got a couple more days off until i got to get back to the website on Sunday. And then, of course, uh, like I said, me and Cole Coffee will be in uh, Atlanta for USC 236. So we'll bring you full coverage from there. Mm-hmm. We'll try to knock out a little and a half episode. We, I made sure and booked, mm-hmm. booked us a flight. <laughs> I booked us a flight later in the day so we could actually you better get it done. Have, God damn it. Yeah, I we, wasn't asleep at some point. Yeah, I, I booked, I it's booked us a later East flight. East Coast side of shit, man. The shit gets late oh, real quick. Oh, dude, I did forget it. It's an East Coast show. Shit gets real late. Oh. Really quick. Well, we'll still get an and a half. Maybe it'll be an and a quarter. <laughs> and a teeny bit. <laughs> <laughs> just, we'll just loop Two together. Two in a teeny bit. Just loop together all the audio from the back with no commentary whatsoever. Yeah. Here's Here from all the Done. winners. Done. <laughs> All right, we'll figure that out in the meantime. Thanks for listening.